what's up guys and welcome to the Van Patten podcast. As always, my name is Rich and I'll be your host today. Um, and before we jump into this new episode, I'd like to give a minute to the people who make this podcast possible. First, um, head over to the Van Patten store for hats, t-shirts, stickers, and all your sweet Van Patten gear. You can also find our new shirt of the month deal there as well. Uh, we're doing kind of a new design of the month. So it's like basically a new design once a month for the rest of the year. Um, we're also offering some of the Rutstruck gear on our website as well. So head over to vanpattenoutdoors.com and get hooked up with the newest gear. We are also brought to you by HydroDip. Since 2007, the Springer Brothers of Scott and Todd have redefined what quality decoration is. From corporate jet interiors to your favorite hunting rifles, HydroDip's quality puts them on the next level. Head over to HydroDip.com for more information. Again, that's HydroDip.com. And last but not leastly, um, our newest and tastiest sponsorship is Elkhorn Grills. Um, if you're in the market for a new wood pellet grill or even some amazing food out of that wood pellet grill, head over to Elkhorn Grills on their website, ElkhornGrills.com. Um, so thank you everybody who sponsored us and thank you to everybody who's tuned in and being a part of our community today. Um, as always, we posted our questions of the week on our Instagram, Snapchat, and Facebook pages. Um, this week we are joined by a few of the Rutstruck boys. So we asked everyone to write in to them as well. In this episode, we're going to do our best to cover some of the questions, as well as get to know Kevin, one of the Rutstruck members that were forgotten in last week's episode. Um, And for more podcasts, please check us out on Spotify, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, and a few more. Um, So now let's get into it. Alrighty. So like I said, we're going to sit down with the Rutstruck boys. Um, I'm here with Alan and uh, Kevin from the Rutstruck crew. We've got some questions for you boys. First and foremost, thank you guys for joining me. Thank you. Of course, thank you. So um, Kevin, I wanted to kind of ask you a few questions first and foremost because we didn't get the opportunity to sit down and and uh, kind of chat last week. So what is, I kind of wanted to talk to you about like what is Rutstruck to you? How did you guys get involved together? We talked a little bit about you last week, but how did you get involved with the with the Rutstruck boys? Well, I became friends with Trevor uh, in two, like quite a few years ago, and so we were friends before that, and he was always pressuring me like, hey, I just got a bow. You should get a bow, too. I really want you to go hunting. And I was like kind of kicking around. I always felt like, I don't know, bow hunting would be my thing. Um, it seems fun, but... It wasn't my thing, and then I moved away from Baker, went to Bend, and then right when I moved to Bend, I was like, you know, I'm going to get a bow, because I think Trevor actually finally got me to shoot the bow, and so I was like, all right, this is kind of fun, so I took a whole year and just shot instead of went and, like, bought my tags and all that, Mm -hmm. so I could learn, I didn't want to, you know, I hate wounding animals, don't want to make that mistake, and so I went and shot for a year, and I ended up, I just love shooting my bow. Do you go to any shoots or anything, or just um, I'm actually doing a train to hunt in Ashland this year cool to get ready for hunting season and I'll be doing the mountain challenge in hoodoo mm-hmm. and then we'll be doing the super shoot here sure so I'm trying to hit up as many as I can yeah to get prepared but yeah and so um I got my bow I started hunting with uh uh some family members and they like they were always getting in that kind of but I I didn't really want to hunt with them as much as like 
Alan kind of pressured me to. He's like, hey, dude, just come with us. I'll get you a bowl. I promise, just come with me. I'll get you one. <laughs> and so I went with, you know, those boys. And um, I think we ended up, I, I'd seen more bowls than I think I'd ever seen in my life in one season. And so I was like, dang, these guys really know, you know. Right. I, of course, I screwed up like three, three times. And then at the very last day, I was just like going in. We had, I think, two hours left, and we were back up in there, and like Trevor was saying, called that bull, and I killed it. And after that, I was hooked, and I think after Alan kind of showed that I want this, I want to, like, work until the very end of the day sure. of the last day of this season. And then he kind of just like, dude, welcome to Rush Shook. Like, I don't know if maybe that's how he kind of just thought, like, me working hard at it that season kind of showed him, like, hey, you could be a good asset. I don't that's just kind of what I felt because it was like I think two days later he texted me that he's like welcome to Russia man. <laughs> that's true so. yeah yeah that was like uh, that was, I don't know him coming into here and uh, you know like just pushing for you know the last bit of the season and uh, going that extra mile you know that just showed that how much he really wanted it true and that to me was like this is a guy that I want like with us every year like he is determined you know well, we were yeah. talking about it last last podcast. It's hard to find dedicated hunting partners. Mm-hmm. I think it's harder than finding a wife. Yeah, and, and, you know, like, I think finding a guy who wants to get after it just as hard as you do, who's just as dedicated, is, man, that's dime a dozen. I mean, yeah. you guys finding five or, you know, that's, that's it, incredible. Yeah, it's very hard. And luckily, you know, growing up in a small town like this, like, I mean, you have everybody around here that hunts and does all that. Mm-hmm. But... It's a different level of, of individual who yeah. thinks about it 365, though. Exactly. You know? Like, you wake up in the morning, and you're thinking about what, you know, what's going to make you better for the upcoming hunting season. Like, sure. that's how I feel every single morning. And I have another guy on the group that feels the same exact way. And I know all of us in the group feel that way. But, like, I mean, me and him, I mean, our relationship really did start when, like, Tre- Trevor brought him in and was like, hey, we're going to bring Kevin, you know, and me and him were like friends before this, you know, I was around Kevin growing up and all that, but sure. until like we got on the mountain together and like I seen his determination and all that stuff, it, it's like we became like best friends, you know, like I, we text all the time just about like what we're going to do, how we're going to do it. And I don't know, it built just an awesome relationship. No, man, it's, it's, it's a hundred percent. You can definitely forge some, some amazing relationships or break some amazing relationships. Yeah. This scout or not this scouting season, I guess it'd be last scouting season. Um, we had a guy who kind of wanted to get into the guiding industry and stuff. So we took him out on a little scouting trip, to see if we could find some elk kind of last minute deal. I took a shortcut into the, the spot that we wanted to go. Of course, kind of the deal of shortcuts is if it was easy, that would just be the way, right? So we took a super steep route. I mean, it was like a mile shorter than the easy way, but just as steep as it could possibly get. And uh, I was a little sketched out when I, I, I initially like saw him when he walked in the pickup. He was wearing like blue jeans and skater shoes. I'm like, bro, like, you got any boots? Like, you can hike in that, but if you ain't got any boots, I'll go to the house. Like, we'll get you some. This will make your day a lot easier. So we hooked him up with some boots. Anyhow, we start walking up this this hill. We get there. I think everything is good. Um, you know, we set up camp. We go out to go glassing on the evening. We've got like two or three hours of daylight left. And we get set up glassing, get my tripod set up. And I hear this weird like sniffling or this noise. I'm like, what the heck is that? I look over and the dude's just crying. Just 100% tears down to his face. Like, dude, you know what? I already called my wife the nearest road from here is closer than our camp. I'm bailing. I'm out of here. Oh, 
oh, oh, shoot, man. Uh oh. Uh, so in the same terms, like you, you can, you can forge that awesome relationship. Like when hardcore dudes get together, you can also find out, um, who your weak buddies are, who are going to kind of bitch out on you in the middle of the hills, you know, um, and you know, I, and as far as like, I, I potentially could have pushed him too far. I guess when you're like taking new guys out, I thought he was an experienced guy. I guess it's the difference between like the town and the hills. Um, cause I thought he had, you know, we talked. I thought, I thought he was good to go. Um, so, you know, it's a learning lesson when you take new people out. Don't push them too far. You know what I mean? Because I think we potentially push that individual maybe just a little too far. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some, some people you just got to walk into. Mm. You, know, you got you, you to yeah, slowly learn. bring them in. Right. You know, and let them see it. But I didn't gauge that one very well. Yeah. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. Yeah. You know, but... uh. No, that's just, you know, that's the way it is. Um, now, with the shoot thing, man, so you guys are going, are all you guys headed to Hoodoo this year? Yeah. I think, yeah, I I think really most of us everyone. Yeah. And it's nice because Kevin lives right over there in Bend, so, I mean. Right there. How is it, you know, yeah, we don't, we don't have to be, like, in a hotel, or mm-hmm. we might even be camping up on the mountain, too. Yeah, you too, can so. camp up there. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll, I'm going to try to make it out this year. I heard that the, dis, like, the distance of the targets are pretty crazy out there. I went up there last year. I actually had my appendix taken out like a month before, so I couldn't shoot. But I just wanted to go up there and, you know, meet born and raised and sure. whoever else. And, yeah, I mean, it, from what I can tell, and, I mean, I've skied the mountain. It's, I bet you could make some really good shots out there. Yeah. No, I bet, man. I'm excited to see. You guys said you're doing super shoot, the whole crew doing super shoot as well? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we do that every single year. We go up there, camp all weekend long. Yeah, that's by far the funnest shoot. You know, for oh, us. Oh man, I love I mean, the super shoot. Sitting there at home, you got you get some beers, sit around mm-hmm. a campfire at night. Mm-hmm. Yep. Go up the mountain on the on the lift, and you get to shoot right there with your hometown and all the people you know. <laughs> yep. It, it just, I don't know. It's just a blast. What is it? Uh, is it sixty targets? Thirty? I think it's forty. Isn't it? Is it? Oh wait, it's thirty, thirty, and t- and ten on the bottom. And twenty on the bottom. I thought. Yeah. Okay. It's not too many targets. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not a huge course, but. God, I love the way that they set the targets up. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's ah, fun, man. Yeah. It's a great, and it's like one of the last, if I remember, it's like one of the last shoots right before the season, yeah. too, right? Yeah. yeah, it's like the last weekend of July or something, isn't it? The very last mm-hmm. weekend. It's right it at the weekend after Miners. Huh? Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the yeah. after Miners. Yeah. So. But, uh, no, I mean, I think that's a, an awesome way to get prepared for for the season. Yeah, it's The fact that you can't use uh, range finders or anything, too. I think that's by far the most beneficial for a new hunter too. Mm-hmm. Is that, you know you get to get up on the mountain and really see the yardage, you know, and totally, and you know prepare for the. There's not every time you can pull up a rangefinder when you're hunting and something's there, you know. Totally. So I mean, I, it it is it's we always make it a competition too, you know. At the mm-hmm. end of it, we even sometimes even incorporate it with, uh, like especially this year, what we're gonna do is we're gonna actually shoot it, and the winner it's gonna be how this. Sh- the shooter lineup for the hunt season is gonna start off. Like. Oh, that's very so, smart. Yeah, mm-hmm. so like then it's fair, and mm-hmm. then you see who prepared the most, and you know it, it's it's gonna be awesome. So, so are you guys gonna do with the? Are you gonna keep the scoring that's on the animal? Because I've kind of started in these shoots, sometimes believing that the vitals on the animals aren't where you would shoot them real in real life yeah you know it's quartered away but the 12's way over here yeah. so we've decided on every target it's like you know what this is the real 12 ring for us this is the 10 ring for us mm-hmm. 
you know, are you guys going just... We, we've thought about that, but, I mean, it is what it is, and the rules are already set there, right. so... And you have binos on your chest right there. You can you can see where that 12 is at, and, it, I mean, we all... If you forget your binos, that's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you don't yeah. remind each other. Either. So, it's like, right. yeah, we just, go, we just go by the rules that they have, and I don't know, it's a blast. No, that makes sense. So, you guys are playing for the order of shooter. Yeah. That's smart yeah. as heck. Yeah, that is super fair. smart. Yeah. No, I, I like that a bunch. Um, so, you guys want to get into some of the questions of the week that we have? Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. So, uh, well, first and foremost, I do want to talk about uh, the support that we've gotten so far from the local community, and I want to thank everybody. Um, we are giving out some of the stickers, or actually not some, every person that uh, writes in, we are uh, giving a sticker to. So, thank you guys so much. Anyways, let's get into it. Um, so... For the first one, let's get into old Wiley Baum. Now, I used to work with this dude over at Hydradip, so we're kind of like Hydradip brothers, if you will. Um, so his question is, as somebody who, I di- who is um, infatuated with the idea of hunting and is addicted to shows like Meat Eater, I really want to get into, the, get into hunting and become a true outdoorsman. I'm not sure if any of you have started hunting later in life, um, and if so, what has been your challenges? Uh, and do you also find it hard to take a greenhorn out and show him the ropes? I know that you said that you want someone as engaged as you are, and if you and if that somebody is someone who might not know as much. So I'm going to go off on on that last part a little bit because that was me yeah. saying that uh, that I want somebody as a, as engaged as I am. The information means nothing to me. Like if just because I may know more about an elk's biological um, cycle or where they're going to bed or how to tune a bow, that means nothing to me. But it's it's all the motivation. Like as long as you're getting out there, just being determined is actually that's like the biggest thing. I mean, if you you're committed to it, if you're committed to it, I don't care. Like for us, I mean, we've had guys come in like you know Jake actually this year. He's never archery hunting, you know. He's gonna be. He's not all like he doesn't know everything about it yet, and sure. either do we. You're never gonna know, but right. uh, but for him, I mean, willing to learn is the biggest part, and mm-hmm. showing your determination to actually get it done and all that. I I'll take any greenhorn, like I love it. I, and plus, seeing their look on their face when that first bull bugles at them or even steps in front of their face is probably the most satisfying feeling in the world. So. That has nothing to do with it. You know? No, I'm I'm the same way, man. I have no problem. I love taking greenhorns out. I mean, it has no no uh, knowledge issue. I'm just a, I'm just a, I have a motivation issue. No, absolutely. If you're not motivated, yeah. I'm not down on it. But no, if you're yeah. motivated, let's roll, man. No, for sure. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Just calling a bull in for for somebody that's never even seen that before. Mm-hmm. I mean, the look on their face. They they turn around with their mouth drop. That is the best. No. <laughs> right. No, yeah, for sure. That, that is nothing. Well, that like reminds me because uh, I don't know if you guys have ever watched the Donnie Vincent movies. He's a really, really good. Yeah, yeah. phenomenal. Oh, I listened to him on the Joe Rogan podcast, and he was saying, like, there's these people that came from L.A. to go film him, pretty much. But I think it was like for a sponsor or some sort of thing. I can't quite remember what it is. So, but uh, he took these guys, and like one guy showed up in a yellow shirt, like kind of like fashion mm-hmm. fashion sense and didn't really wasn't expecting he's like whatever and so donnie actually got like a got in between some bulls and they were bugling and screaming and he said the look on those guys's face they had never seen or heard anything like that in their entire lives and they just like and these are people that are from la and like never 
would ever want to go out there and they it just blew sure. their mind they actually kind of like fell in love with it. i'm not sure if any of them went hunting or did anything but it was just like awesome to them to see that experience and so to have like you know someone come in that's never seen that like even when i came in with alan like i'd only rifle hunted and I, I never really heard a bull scream and then when i was with them it was just like you know you just get all jacked and yeah, just that's like, the real definition yeah. of rut struck honestly yeah. like that's where the rut struck game came from just you know you hear the first bull it comes in you fall in love like you're struck yeah. you know yeah love struck you're actually rut struck 100 <laughs> percent. that's where it all came from man just uh it's so awesome no i feel you man i mean since the first time i've ever heard of bugle i was lucky i think i was like 14 or something so you know get onset or late onset hunting has never really been a thing that i had to transition to i've been hunting for a for a large period of time but i guess the majority of my life i've been hunting interestingly enough though the old lady that i have she didn't she didn't hunt at all until she got with me so she's kind of had to do this transition of being a non-hunter to a hunter and her family's somewhat okay with hunting is the the longer they're around me the more exposure they have the the more okay they understand it because we've kind of the conversations that uh people who don't hunt versus the people that hunt are very very different so as that kind of liaison for hunting we had to have some very what i thought was very basic questions i mean we had questions that are some conversations that were just about tags because a lot of non-hunters don't understand that you know there's only a lotted amount of, of yeah. species you can get per unit per state um and and kind of how the Pittman robertson i mean we had to go through what what most guys would call fundamental but um that transition for her family uh was super important so she had a little bit of support too you know so because like i said she kind of came from that non-hunting background so yeah. so um like i said i didn't have too much on like late onset hunting do you, i mean you guys have been hunting for quite some time as well right yeah yeah uh, as soon as i could i mean as soon as i could walk i was walking behind my dad during rifle season you know it's been a rifle family for me sure until we just turned it but yeah as soon as i was able to walk my dad had him had me with him so i mean I've been doing it for a really long time. Right, so. right. No transition yeah. needed. Just yeah, same yeah. plane. This, this, is, this, is, this is my, like, you know, family tradition. That's what we right. what we always done. So. Yeah, I think I started off just, my dad, I was like the bird dog. You know, my dad shoots pheasant and <laughs> grab it. I think I was like, sure. you know, eight years old and stuff. It was, yeah, that's kind of where I fell in love. And... I, think, I think that's the part, like, having kids is probably, like, the coolest thing. is because, like, getting to bring them up into this and showing them the right way to do things and... You know, uh, that's why, like, you watch, like, Kimmy Greentree. Mm-hmm. Like, she didn't, she wasn't a hunter, you know? Mm-hmm. And Adam has done, like, you've got to, like, watch her, like, progress as a hunter sure. through Adam. And Adam has been, like, you know, he showed her the right way to do things. And I don't know. And, well, I think now. That's, like, a perfect, I mean, he showed that whole thing, uh, you know, how to bring somebody up. Right. That is, it's awesome, you know. And he did it the right way. Yeah, totally. Well, and now she's, she's one, if you ask me, she's one of the biggest, like, uh, figures in the female hunting part mm-hmm. of the hunting yeah. industry. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's interesting, I mean, when we talk about trying to get people in the outdoors, a large majority is kids, for sure, and a, yeah. another large majority is women. I mean, those are the two that we're trying to see. If you look at a lot of the studies from, like, um, there's been a, a study published from the, the National Shooting Convention of, like, women, uh, the, if, if women are hunting in the house, the, fig, the, the women figure in the house are hunting, usually the, the kids are hunting. Yeah. That's huge for us. Yep. You know, as, as the hunting population or the hunting industry, if you will, we need to get women hunting. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but in the same <coughs> turn, you know, we also need to get the one part of that R3 that everybody talks about, which uh, R3 is like uh, recruitment, retention, and reactivation, which is basically what we're trying to do in the hunting industry with a bunch of people. And the recruitment aspect to me is like the is a huge the, the vital aspect you know um if you look at the numbers of people that are hunting in the u.s it's hard to say that they're declining but statistically they are because mm-hmm. it's more of a percentage uh we're we're staying pretty close in numbers but the percentage of people that are hunting in america is lowering because we are gaining people in america so the the from the studies that i was looking at and most of this is from like 2016 i haven't seen too many really recent um public uh anything published of recent but uh most of that most of that percentage of, of people um is is a vast majority of women uh, so if we talk about like, from 91, it was about 11% of the U.S. hunting population was women. If we talk about 2016, and I'm sure today it would be even more growing, it's about one in five, about 20% of women are in the hunting or yeah. of the hunters are women. Yeah. So that's huge, man. You know, um, you've got your old, I mean, did your old lady hunt prior to you or are you, is this a journey that you're bringing her on? Uh, actually her dad her dad has been hunting forever, so like he's he does the mo uh, the muzzleloader thing. Uh, so she's been around hunting her whole life. Gotcha. She really like didn't take that step into it. You know, like she she's been around it. She she understands it and all that stuff. But she didn't really take the step until she uh, got with me and like she realized how much I was into it and all that stuff. And I really I like pushed her to, you know, how amazing it is to fill your own freezer. You know, sure. it's your it's organic meat you know it's right is there's nothing processed about it and uh just her understanding that and like i mean she understood that before but never really got into it so i mean just that alone like and, and just the experience itself uh when you when you do it and go provide for yourself that's it's it puts yourself on a pedestal you know sure and when she she just did that she went and got a cow this last year with the muzzleloader and was that her first kill that uh, no she's killed deer before as well but like for an elk right that was like with her, she did it with a muzzleloader too for her very first you know, I, I haven't even done that I, nope. I haven't even gave it a shot either so but yeah for her to do that like it was really really like big for her to that she just filled her feet free. she she fed us I didn't get a bowl this last year for the first time with my bow you know? <laughs> sure. so like that was that was awesome she just fed us for the year and it's pretty important now like, yeah she really enjoys it too. So. Well, every elk, man, I mean, is a trophy of ass. I mean, oh, cow well, with a muzzleloader. I mean, I think that's super cool because it's with a muzzleloader. But even oh, yeah. a cow with whatever, like absolutely, an, an <laughs> a trophy. Because, like I said, it will feed you for an entire year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, we eat elk meat, you know, all the time. Sure. So right, it, it's a big deal to us. Oh yeah. No, it's definitely like, and it's funny that you kind of mentioned like getting people into it and like women and stuff like that because like a lot of my family's from southern california and so like getting them to understand what i do and why i love it is like it's been super hard and like my dad who was uh from down there like came up here and started hunting but like when i shot my first bull i think all my family thought i just shot it and left the meat and just took the horns I'm oh like, really I'm like no 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 no. that's just you're, missing, <laughs> you're just missing the whole point like i'm getting the meat i'm feeding my family for a year sure. and once they kind of understood that they're like oh all right, that makes total more sense. Like, you know, it's organic meat. It's all in, like, I know where it came from. I know who butchered it, like, mm-hmm. all that. And it, So after I told them that, it kind of really opened their eyes. And, like, 
now they're all really cool with me hunting and going down that path and all that. But that was a pretty steep transition, huh? Yeah. Like, trying to get them to understand. Yeah, because, I mean, like, I still got an aunt that will be like, just promise me one thing, don't shoot a bear. And I'm like, oh, I can't promise that. I really, really want to shoot a bear. <laughs> need sure. like, Everything needs to be controlled. Yeah, and it's like, you know, like I told her, like, the biologists give these tags out for a reason. It's not like we're just going out there to have a heyday on whatever sure. comes in front of my pen. And I think that's, like, the image that hunters have gotten that is, like, trophy hunting is all that's, you know, that's all that's out here, you know? And uh, that's why, like, Joe Rogan has been huge for the hunting industry. Sure. Because mm-hmm. he, I mean, he explains everything so everyone, you know, non-hunters can understand. Well, his, so much of the percentage of his listeners are non-hunters. Yeah, no, so out of California, awesome. you know. Yeah. And, like, that's that's huge. That is very big, especially for the hunting industry. So, like, just him doing that is helping this hunting industry. He was a non-hunter before this, and he understands it now. And, like, now he's, like, promoting, you right. know, why we do it. And I, I mean, more people need to be like that, and I think mm-hmm. that that's what will turn the image of hunting around. Totally. Um, you know, the right, make it the right way. You know, mm-hmm. everyone needs so, to have an open mind about things. Yeah. I feel like. And totally. No, I think Joe's articulation of how he hunted or what hunting meant to him was a lot different than most people who have been hunting for a long time. Because what I noticed is, uh, a few years ago, I've, I've been trying, I've been trying to make this change of when I talk to non-hunters, I used to kind of talk down to them. Like, well, of course this is the way that it is. Yeah. Duh. We have tags, dude. Why don't you know that? Yeah. And I don't know. That's not a great way to start a conversation. Like I'm trying to like provide him knowledge and by putting him down in, so- in-, in a means that's, He's not going to retain that information. Some some a-hole just spurred it off to him. You yeah. know what I mean? Especially, like, guys like us that have grown up in, like, these small towns that sure. are, like, you know, rural towns that, I mean, agricultural, everything like that, we're all used to this hunting stuff. You know? Right. And somebody that's grown up in a bigger city that's never really even walked mountains, you know? Right. They, I mean, they have, they just, you know, freedom of speech, they talk what they've you know, when they say what they see on the internet. So I think understanding and, uh, you know, learning all about it is the mm. biggest part of all of this. Before you even, like, you know, you don't yeah. you know, vote for someone you don't you don't know everything about, you know? Sure. You want to you research what you're voting on. Right. So it's kind of the same thing. I think people just need to have an open mind, and, yeah. you know, that, it, will, it'll, it will fix the image of hunting. For eventually. sure. Eventually. Well, as hunters, though, we also need to... Uh, understand, you know, I, I really respect like uh, like Ben O'Brien, who's kind of had this stance against grip and grins. Because if you're a non-hunter, an anti-hunter, like you don't understand what that grip and grin really means. No. To a hunting person, he understands the work that's behind yeah. and why he's smiling, <laughs> why they're so happy. But if you're a non-hunter, it's just like your family down south, they just think you're going to leave that meat there to rot, you know? So... I really like, I mean, I, I noticed you guys just posted the true trophy picture, yeah. which is that giant, beautiful, mm-hmm. delicious back strap, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that should be our new grip and grin as a hunting community. And yeah, and I think, you know? I think it's definitely starting to, like, go that way because, like, we all grew up on Bambi. We all grew up with these cartoons. Though now everyone thinks that, like, you know, bears don't hurt people. They're, like, cuddly animals. Sure. Like, okay, they're cool-looking animals. I respect them. I love them, too. And, like, just because I hunt them doesn't mean I hate them. Right. But, like, that's where we grow up. So it's, like, and especially down in, like, California or my family or whoever in a big city, Portland, they don't really know about hunting. So it's, like, like you are saying, talking down on people that never, 
like you're never gonna come out of that conversation like okay you're just gonna be like well this is just a you know a-hole hunter so it's like it's better if we kind of just step back and kind of like all right you know we're like if they were coming trying to teach me something like and i didn't quite understand it and didn't like think think i liked it you'd it'd be better for me to just like be quiet and kind of listen to their opinions and because with me like if you're passionate about something i can listen to you i can listen to you talk about all day long but if you're not passionate and you're just trying to like you know whatever showboat around Mm -hmm. about it i'm not going to listen i'm not going to so that's why i think with us being like so into hunting and loving hunting just like supporting these people and like educating them like listen like i understand you don't appreciate what it is but like this is like really how it goes down how we do it and i think if we keep doing that you'll get more hunters well we'll find common ground yeah with anything it's just like it becomes like okay so you don't like how i kill these animals so Mm -hmm. let's pull it a step farther back but we're still out there hiking you like hiking okay do you like public land i love public land we'll keep pulling it back till we find common ground it's like okay we can agree on this and then we can start disagree you know then we can start moving into our disagreements a little bit more but right now wouldn't i think right now we're 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 doing a good job but uh in past uh our hunting brethren has kind of they haven't zoomed back enough and we're we're kind of getting into fights so hopefully we can keep this conversation and get more people to be like you guys talk about open-minded exactly and i made i made a mistake early earlier this year and uh i posted a picture on our instagram of you know i was targeting other hunters not other people and I didn't think about the non-hunters you know sure. and so like I I posted this video and like to me I was like you know my the reasons behind the reason I posted that video is because two other hunters you're like oh he got the whole elk off the mountain hole you know and that doesn't happen archery hunting all the time you know right. so like we you know we pulled out these two elk and we it was in the snow we pulled them out behind a jeep you know and like you didn't think about I didn't think about the other hunters there I was like thinking about the actual other hunters where you show them like look guys we got this whole thing off the mountain you know instead like a non-hunter would look at that like oh my look at these rednecks you know like what are they doing you know and i didn't think about that and like you know i i talked to another guy about this uh, with another company and i was like you know uh he, he was like image is everything right now in this area and you know i argued it and i was like that's not my intention, you know, and I want to show the the raw thing of, like, what happens to hunting, because I don't want to put off a fake perception of the what hunting is, you know? Right. But then again, I also need to consider, you know, what I'm putting out there, and I've come to terms with, with that and, like, what we need to work like, forward to, so, yeah, it's just, it's, it's weird, man. It's weird how, like, it things is are a so weird sensitive world. now, mm-hmm. and, like, how I have to be careful about what I do, but... I mean, when it all comes down to it, like, I don't know, it, it's all the best intentions. It's not meaning to, you know, hurt right. feelings or nothing like that. So, right. it's all a learning curve for us, you know. It's a, it's a, it's a fine line to walk, man, yeah. you know. And, of course, what I've learned is you'll never make anybody completely happy. Like, no. everybody's, somebody's going to have a problem with one thing <laughs> you did, you know. So, uh, of course my big mission is to try to get other people that aren't uh, we have a problem in the outdoor community of like we're preaching the choir right now most people who listen to this podcast are other hunters yeah right 
So they're we're just ramping ourselves up. Well, I'm trying to we're I'm trying to reach out a little bit more to those yeah. people, those mountain bikers, those trappers, those you know whatever. Um, those mushroom pickers. Those yeah, the, exactly the mushroom. Heck yeah, just to be able to you know broaden our reach, not preach to the choir just as much. Yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean. But it's and hard for that one for that one listener you have that's not a hunter, mm-hmm. and just listening to like what we're saying right now. This might even like make him think like all right well they're opening you know their minds about this maybe i should too sure and so it could it could take the next step for a next person you know right it's definitely hard with like the social media because you get all the anti-hunters or vegans or vegetarians or whatever Mm -hmm. who are gonna just come at you with some of the like i've I've looked on a lot of cameron haynes pictures or just like kind of read through their comments and some people can get quite vicious about the way and so when you it's easy for like when you see that it fires you up inside and you're like look i want to defend myself i want to defend hunting so you kind of turn into this argument where you're like pretty much beating a dead horse you know with these people and it's just kind of like you have to step back and like almost be polite about it with them like listen i get your opinion i get why you don't think it's great i get you hate you know you see these slaughterhouses that just go through cows and pigs like it's nothing so it's like it's not the same with us like we respect these animals right we do we, we pay the tax so that we can you know it goes to the the back into our, the animals you know through the i guess for us odf and like people making a better place and people don't quite understand that so it's and they're the ones that are like we love animals we love that well if you loved animals then you would join in with the hunters to try to care, take care of the yeah. numbers of predators and everything else along with everything needs to be controlled so they don't understand that like if we just quit hunting there ain't gonna be no animals left there's gonna be one animal at the top of the food chain when it's all said and done with you know they don't understand that like oh us shooting that deer right there was actually good for the you know for the whole deal like for the whole for all the wildlife you know and where you're taking part in it and they just don't understand the whole conservation part of it so I mean, that's well, it's where hard. we just need to, we need to help them understand. And then, yeah, and always, the one thing that always blows me away is just like, they're, they're almost more okay with you hunting elk and deer, but if it comes to a bear or a cougar or a wolf, it's like game over for them. Like, you're yeah. you're dead to me. Like, right. I, you know, I want nothing for you and your family ever to like perceive us. It's just like, like down in California, you got, you see mountain lion videos all the time of people, their dogs getting yanked out of their yard over their fence and like taken off it's but like then they're ready for like well you know, even that time. yeah then <laughs> something bad's happened but right. then you're just paying you know like what they do is they just pay like professional hunters to come in and shoot these cougars instead of like paying we paying for the tag which goes back into them and then right like, they they, they've care. lost a whole bunch of revenue yeah if you think about it because they're 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 essentially paying for it twice yep. um no man i mean i feel you there i mean you know oregon's moving in that same way with with uh, some of their predator control laws but i mean you guys think is it the bambi thing you think because uh wolves bears uh some of those predators have became like humanized in some way yeah. people think that bears or wolves are yeah well you got cuddly. like yogi the bear right you know what i mean you right. got your Smokey the bear <coughs> and stuff like that and then i like i think when it comes to wolves you know like i've watched videos of wolves and you'd like those are dogs and like what do we you know we all have dogs and mm-hmm. so like I think that's a lot of the thing for people is they just look at it as like that's just a dog like leave it alone like right. it's not hurting anything but you like like we see what it really does and see that like they don't just they like to kill 
like just for fun they'll take down you know like a whole herd of sheep sure or whatever and just leave it there and so like people just like they're so like out of that and like out of that area that they they just don't even want to like almost dive down and kind of like see the like not the That's bad it. but just the nature of them you know what i mean of sure. how they are and it's like if we don't help take care of these cougars or bears or or uh coyotes wolves whatever then it's just gonna like like you said like now you know we don't have the dog hunting thing so a lot of bears and cougars have definitely from 1991 have come up and taken the population of deer at least i feel like i don't know about you guys down quite a bit at least around in the parts that i'm familiar with you know what i mean absolutely yeah and it's you can't help those people that are like does don't really want to look at it anyway in a you know open-minded you can't really help them because they don't want to be helped yeah. So those people are kind of hard to even like deal with, but the ones that are willing to open their mind, that's when you actually <coughs> that, that that's when you actually okay, you want to sit down and have a log, you know, a logical conversation with them sure. where you can they can understand it better, so. So you're saying there's a chance. There could yeah. be a chance. There could be. I no, know, I don't know if we'll see it in our lifetime. I, it, I it's know. hard, man. I mean, there's I think there'll always be radical anti-hunters. Oh, oh yeah. You got to have one. But yeah. guess what? Like you could call me a radical hunter. Because yeah. there's no, I mean, I'm pretty open-minded to, to a lot of stuff, but it's going to be a very uphill challenge for you to tell me that hunting is a bad thing. I'm pretty radical one way, and that's yeah. pro-hunting. Um, but no, I mean, it's it's definitely an interesting topic for sure. I, uh, I don't know. See, we do a bunch of uh, predator control stuff um, kind of as a side of, of Van Patten, and we get death threats uh all the time of of anti-hunters and and one thing that i'm i'm kind of curious about is i've never i just don't see a large majority of the hunting population going the other way Hmm. and and threatening lives of vegans or you know that's the hard transition there is like just let me do me man like i'm not trying to yeah just stay in your own like if you don't want to be in my lane stay in your own lane yeah like i'm not asking you to accept what I'm doing, or, you know, okay, I should rephrase it. I want you to accept what I'm doing, but I'm not asking you to do what I'm doing or even, like, be a part of it, but it's just, like, it's just the way we grew up or the way we were raised or something that we fell in love with or, you know. I think, sure. I think people nowadays are just too worried about what the person next to them are doing. They don't, that's what, that's our job every day is to go, if that guy's doing something wrong, let's, let's call him out for it. That's just the way it is. Keyboard, they're all keyboard warriors, you know. Yeah. That's all, uh, that's all it is, but. No, but I think, um, you know, back to, like, Wiley's, Wiley's question, though, um, I think shows like The Meat Eater are awesome. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that that's what is... we're talking about. It's like, that's gold star, the top of the line. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah. yeah. You know, as absolutely. a hunting. Totally. And the more, I mean, Donnie Vincent's kind of turning into that. Sound, yeah. You know, there's quite a bit. I've really, born and raised guys are the same way. I think they're more niche I think they're a little bit more in the indoors of the hunting community. Yeah. But if you could actually get non-hunters to watch that and see the brotherhood and, and like what the real part of hunting is, yeah, Hush is the same way. Totally. Hush, they, I mean, they show what it's all about all the time, mm-hmm. and they, I mean, brotherhood, all that stuff, everything that goes along with it. Like they try to help, you know, people understand that. But right, I mean, gosh, there's so many companies that you are or brands that you could think about that are doing that in this day and age. It's awesome to see, man. I hope yeah. that we can. You got to do it. We have to. I mean, like yeah. if we want hunting to you know continue like we definitely need to get the younger generation or female or you know whoever because like like you're i mean i'm not i don't know the statistics 
like awesome. It's just from what I heard. I think it's like uh like six or like sixty to sixty five. It was like the demographic of the majority of the hunters. I think it's from what I've heard. I'm not like don't quote me on it, but from what I heard. And so like now that those guys are kind of getting maybe fifty two, but getting older, they're kind of like either passing away or mm-hmm. you know yeah the baby qu- boomer generation yeah, you can't the... quite get in to these spots so it's like just getting these younger generations and and whoever else even just new people even if however old you are just to try to get them in there is just awesome like to get their own meat and... and that's the problem right now like tag tag prices and everything like that it makes it tough for people in the younger kid younger generations and families stopping hunting because it's too expensive you know right. Oregon it goes up every, all the time every, every two every years year. yeah. uh, the price goes up and it's making people not be able to hunt because they can't afford it and just the way the economy is now but that doesn't mean you can't get the kids out you know you can still get them out in the outdoors whether it's just hiking whether it's just going to pick mushrooms one day whether it's just showing them nature and all that stuff their mind will wander they will like then you know, to your knowledge, you can kind of like just show them and mentor them. Yeah. Even if you can't get a tag, Oregon's you know? got two two free fishing days a year. Absolutely. You know, there's there's a chance. Show them, and if you got, and I mean, if you know, <coughs> if you know a kid or kids or anyone that a new hunter, uh, if you know any of them that want to get into it or they're just unsure about it, hit them up on those free days, and you know, you know, show them show them what it's all about, and. That could be just a ticket to get them off of, you know, the computers and the video games and all that stuff. And that's the problem with today, too. Absolutely. So. How have you been um, getting your kid out? You know, it seems like in this this generation, or not this generation, but the future generation, it's a challenging task. They got all this technology, man. It's a, it's a home is a beautiful, comfy little rock to be under. Have you kind of got your kid out and about? And is he into it? Is he oh loving? yeah, fortunately my kid just like I mean I killed that bull and like you know I got some pictures of him and he's just like oh like this is what you're hunting like whoa and you know and These so like horses with tree trunks yeah, growing like, out of their like, head and so he's always like he's always like, dad there's deer dad so it's like my thing is just like. I want to show him that, like, because, you know, he's going to see that I love it, you know. And I'm not going to, like, force him to get into it, but I definitely, like, you know, when he gets old enough to do the hunter safety, I want him to take that. And then, um, you know, I'd love to take him out at least, uh, get him something at that year, hopefully. Because I I know for me, if I would have killed a elk or even just a buck a little bit, not just a doe, I think it would have sucked me in a little more. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, I was always in love with football, so it was hard for me to, like, give away football just to go hunt. Sure. But, like... With him, you know, like, my goal, my thing is, like, I take him out shed hunting or just hiking or going out to see those animals, and he loves it, and I just don't want to make those times. I try not to, like, maybe we don't get to walk as many miles as I would like. Maybe we don't, but I don't ever, like, oh, let's go, or, like, make it like it's going to be a bad time for him because that, when you do those times where you pressure him or you make him feel like this just isn't fun, you're yelling at me, or you're getting irritated, like, that's that's a bad experience, they're not going to want to do it, so my whole huge thing is just, like, go with the flow, because you, you have to as a, with a kid, and just keep him at least interested in it, at least outdoors, because like you said, man, like, he loves his tablet, and I try not to give it him all the time, but, like, it's kind of like a nice little babysitter for showers or whatever, you know, sure. so... He's definitely fallen in love with that, but, like, I've definitely noticed that, like, since I've been hunting and kind of take him out, he definitely loves looking for deer and 
every time we go out just to go on a hike, he's like, you're bringing your gun so we can get elk, right? Well, I'm like, well, we got to wait till season and all this <laughs> yeah. stuff. So, I mean, it's been nice that he's showing interest at such a young age, but I definitely just try not to make those times out there a bad time. Right. Do you, do you limit him on, like, the, like, electronics and stuff like that? Do you ever, like, limit his time on that? Or? I try to, but, like, I mean, I'm a single dad and I take yeah, care of no, full time, yeah. so, I mean, it's hard for me to, like go like just showering or go yeah, you know yeah, like yeah. you know, like I'm like just you know yeah you can watch your tablet or like he I wake up at four every morning and he's right there with me every morning at four o'clock so it's like it's hard for me like and that's yeah. my time the only reason I want to wake up at four is so I can work out it's tool for you as well so it's like all right you know go watch your tablet please or yeah. go watch some tv and it's like it's hard not to do it at the moment but I definitely like you know I don't let him do it all the time just those times that i really need him to focus on sure. something else i'm unsure of the podcast that cody rich had but he had a guy on there and he said what he did with his kid was like he got his kid interested in it and then uh what he did was like not every time that he went out hunting he would take him his kid would be like you know can i go and he's like not this time well you when you don't let them go out every single time with you it kind of makes him like Oh, I want to go, you know, like, and yeah. it makes up that, and my dad used to do that to me, man. Like he, my dad would be like, elk season, he would tell me I couldn't go for, until like the week before and I'd be so bummed, you know, like he got me to that level where I'm like, you kidding me? He's not going to let me go. And then, all right, you can go. But he wouldn't let me go every time. And I think of that right there, you know, not giving it to him every single time will interest him even more because, yeah. you know, and yeah. th- when I listened to that, I was like, Wow, I never even thought about that, but it's true. My dad, I mean, I don't know if my dad purposely did that, but I think it's a good tactic, yeah, you know? That's why I know. So. I definitely know it's like, you know, him, like, I definitely want some me time. So, like, hunting with you guys is kind of my me time. Yeah. So, like, even as we get older, I'll definitely be like, I'll probably do the same thing as your dad, like I do now. I'll just tell him. I'm always like, a maybe. We'll see how you act or see how you are. Yeah, maybe September's for the boys. Yeah. Maybe October's for yeah. Sure. Maybe like, October's for the for the kid. Yeah, you know what exactly. I mean. Or something. No, what I noticed too from like you know, I think fan. I was I was raised in a hunting family, but there was a couple years of my life I kind of didn't like hunting because it was like a thing we did every single year. We did. And I was like, man, football, basketball, sports, girls. Yeah, exactly. they sound way funner. Yeah. You know, and what I realized too when I look back on it is those are kind of the dry spell years of my hunting career when I was a kid. So it wasn't fun because I didn't want to go out there and like, oh, let's get another forking horn. <laughs> Not that that's bad or anything, but you see so many forking horns in your life that you just want to you, you, you feel like a better hunter than that, you know. And so I kind of fell out of love with, with that stuff because I didn't, you know, I didn't see there wasn't enough activity. When I went fishing, I was bobber fishing, didn't catch any fish, didn't really like fishing. So now when I go fishing, the first time of the year, I always try to go slay the small fish that you can catch 52 of them in a year or uh, in a day or whatever, you know? So like what my dad did, it was like, he made it seem like it was like, all right, I mean, now you, it's hard to say that because a lot of girls hunt, but before it was like, you know, uh, this is guy time. Like whatever, st- whatever happens at elk camp stays at elk camp, you know? And it made it seem like it was like. You know, okay. A bond. I, yeah, I get to I get to be here. You know, I'm one of the cool guys mm-hmm. now. Finally, I get to do this, and you know, the, like that right there, made me want it so bad. I wanted to be there so bad all the time, and I think that's what made me like stop yeah. playing football because I had a team up on the mountain. Yeah. You know, I got to go with, mm-hmm. and then you know, baseball wasn't during that time, so like, worked out. I don't perfect. know, man. Yeah, it, that my dad did it right. He really. Did. 
Yeah, and some people, you know, I definitely, like, with you, I'm sure it's kind of, like, in your DNA to hunt, so it was easier for you, but, like, I'm with you, like, through high school, it was always football girls, you know, and my dad wasn't, he hunted, but he wasn't, like, you know, buy a tag every year, let's go, let's do this, right. like his dad was, it was kind of like, well, I've seen some elk up here, let's get a spike tag, you know, because we're guaranteed it, and we'll see how it works, and then, you know, we just kind of go up there and be bop around in the woods, so I mean, that's what, it, I think it, it wasn't that fun for me then, too, as it's saying, like, right. until I actually started, like, you know, getting older, and maybe going out on my own, or, you know, whatever that takes, and then so that's where it kind of like grew for me and I just want to show my son like I want him to start him little so that he is the best hunter he can be by like my age you know like you know he knows quite a bit and teach him all the right things and you know I've got Alan and stuff I want you know we can take him out on his first hunts and stuff and get him hopefully get him that buck so it's like it's he's interested super early you know that's my biggest thing I think if I got him you know something where he could kind of like you know, experience that you see those little kids where they're just shaking and like, oh my gosh, yeah. I just shot up. And you know, like, I awesome. want to see that like for myself. And so I'm like, super excited for that. But I think my biggest goal would be just trying to get him something so he's interested in it. You know? Right. For sure. A little bit of activity. Now, one thing I'll be doing this year, um, talking about trying to get more people involved, kind of what, one role that I kind of want to play in that this year is I'm going to volunteer to uh, instruct for hunter education. Like, I think if younger guys like us kind of get in there, well, I remember my hunter education teacher was probably 72 years old. Yeah. Like, I think he fought in World War II. Yeah. You know, I'm 26, but I'm pretty sure this yeah. dude fought yeah. in World War II. Great guy. Don't get me wrong. Um, <coughs> you could tell his passion was there a little bit, but some of the information maybe was a little old-timey. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Altered. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so one thing I'm going to be doing this year is I might as well just volunteer and try to get some of those kids be an instructor for some mm -hmm. of those kids. You guys should join up with me. Yeah, that would be actually pretty cool. Yeah. Heck yeah. Um, so let's get into some of these other ones because I got one. You know, we're uh, we're getting into this one. Uh, and this is kind of meant for you, Mr. Frazier. And this is honestly a podcast first for me. Um, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, we had the viewer or the listeners of this podcast kind of write in and say what you want to talk about or our questions. So it's a very user-submitted thing. Usually it's elk, deer, turkeys, something to do with hunting. This time, not so much. Um, <clears throat> so this question is from Central Oregon Huntress. Who I couldn't look at the profile as private, so I don't... Anyhow. Um, so so she says, and I'm quoting this. I, I want to make sure that I say... I'm I'm quoting her. I am not saying. Um, I've been following along with the rut struck for a couple months now. And I'm wondering, is Frazier single? I think he is the cutest thing ever. Oh, dang. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> we, definitely single. <laughs> okay. But there you go, Central is this Oregon a girl Huntress. Or a guy? Well, I mean, I, I imagine from the Huntress. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Huntress. Oh, I thought. So. I would, but you know, it's 2019, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. No, yeah, definitely single. Uh, <coughs> so. so you heard it here, here, folks. Um, you heard it here first. <clears throat> Frazier is single. And uh, we, you know, I would like to let you guys know, I think this is a perfect opportunity to let you know that we are also recording this and it will be on the Rudstruck and Van Patten's YouTube page. So if you'd like to see how red Mr. Frazier's face is, please tune in to the YouTube pages on uh, Rudstruck or Van Patten. Subscribe. 
Yeah, please subscribe. That's a weird way to connect people to subscription. But hey, we have a pretty man. <laughs> right. We got a dime piece. We got a man, man dime piece here. All right. Um, so let's get back into some serious stuff here. But to let you know, Oregon Hunter, or Central Oregon Huntress, yes, he is single and he is ready to mingle. Um, so this one, uh, this next question that we have is. Sorry, and thanks for the great compliment, by the way. Central Oregon Hey, <laughs> hey let her know. Before man. we move on, thanks. Uh, and we will get your address as well and send you over some um, Van Patten and some Red Strut stickers. Um, so you'll be able to kind of show your love for the Red Strut boys via sticker. Um, so the next question that we have. Um, is again from a local guy. Um, so shout out to Zach McVeigh. Thank you, man. We appreciate the questions and stuff that you've been asking. Yeah, brother. Um, so this one is as Rutch Struck Shankle knows, um, I'm putting together a gun slash bow room. What are some handy must have items in there similar to like a bow press, stuff like that? Um, I want to be able to work on my bow without going to a bow shop. Let's answer this first before we get... He's got a, a laundry list of questions. So let's... Number one, bow press. Yeah. Required? Yeah. Are you are you hardcore bow press guy? I, I do all my own work. I have a bow press. I have the, you know, cut my own arrows. I fletch my own mm -hmm. arrows. What kind stuff. of press you got? Oh, man, I think it's the land... What's that? Lancaster? Yeah, Lancaster. The, just the... The green one that yeah. has a little... Uh-huh. I don't yeah. know what it's called, but I know exactly yeah, what you're yeah, talking yeah. about. Yeah, I have that one, and it works very well. I've actually just started working on my bow this year. And, um, you know, I mean, if you're getting into that, you know, there's lots of videos. Like, I know uh, Elk 101 put up a video tuning your bow. John Dudley, probably one of the best John Dudley is resources. My, yeah, he's... he's if you're new to archery, too, he does a whole school of knocks, so it's right. like... Great point. You Great get on there, point. and mm -hmm. if you want to learn from a world-class archer, then that's one thing I would definitely look into. No, 100%, man. Um, I, I also have the Lancaster... Uh, gosh, I wish I remember what model it was, but it has a hand crank on there. There's a couple model uh, bow press models you can get that are somewhat fancy that have, like, electronic uh, yeah. little uh, uh, pedal that can press your limbs. Um but I'm kind of that was, it was pretty cheap too. I can't remember. It's like 200 bones, I think. Yeah, I think mine was around there, like 200 or 300. Bones. Yeah, I mean, which I mean isn't too bad because you know you go to the bow shop, you're gonna throw some change down. It. Right. And that's the way I looked at it. Is like, you know, like I want to go into my, my season confident, but taking it into the bow shop a month before or even a couple of weeks, you you know you might not get your bow at the beginning of the season because of how many other people are thinking the same thing. I was way too anal retentive for one tuning a year. Yeah. I got to my bow. I don't know. I may be crazy, but I tune my bow way too, like way more yeah. than once a year. That's, you know what I mean? I feel like that's right. I feel like you you should do that yeah. anyway. Mm -hmm. It's just like I don't go just put my gun in the gun rack and think I can go hunting. You know, right after that. I mean, the next year without touching it. So I feel like you need to get out and go shoot and go tune and do all that stuff every single year. So so Make let's sure. break it down. We got the press. Obviously, that's like fundamental. Fletcher. I feel like uh, I love. This is something I want to talk. Mm -hmm. So, like, what kind of what kind do you have? What is that one? It's the what is it? It, it like the, I can't remember the brand. It's I a, have it downstairs, but but uh, what's not Boeing or Boeing? Oh yeah, Boeing. It is. Yeah, but it and it fletches uh, all three fletches on an arrow at once. So like you can like do, do one stuff. arrow at a time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
Okay. Um, gosh, I wish I knew the model and all that stuff right now, but uh, that is like huge. I love doing my own arrows, everything, putting wraps on, putting putting my fletches on, all that stuff, and knowing that like you, if a fletch falls off, it's your fault. You know, totally. yeah. That so like learning all that stuff so mm -hmm. is like my number one deal. I love and, I love my arrows. And I will let you know, Zach, that we do uh, <laughs> have plans on doing like a dedicated archery setup podcast episode. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we'll break down some of your questions, of course, because we love support. But um, be 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 on the watch for like a we'll do a yeah. dedicated one hundred percent two three hours of just archery setup how we do focs that whole thing yeah. but um as far as like gear so we've got the press we got the fletcher which i think is great i've got a bowing but it's like a single fletch you do one at a time and that thing sucks dude yeah, it's like red mm -hmm. and it's the single fletch you like it because mine i'm gonna tell you i, I like I, it but like you said it takes like mm -hmm. doing a dozen arrows i'll sit there for almost you know, two hours. <laughs> right. Just it's like reloading. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Until uh, September, or yeah, it was September when I got that Fletcher finally. Before that, I had like a 1990, like one, you know, one like you guys are talking about. Super metal. Yeah. And uh, like, man magnet. Yeah, I had a dozen of like the straight <laughs> and then left helical and right helical. So I had like, you know, three dozen of, you know, Fletchers, and... Where do you put that, man? You know? Yeah, I just, like, a basket, laundry basket, basically. <laughs> you know, they're, and they're super heavy, and you gotta put them in totally right, otherwise, you know, your Fletch is off, and you have to mark a line on it and all that. It's like, yeah, I was so glad to get rid of that thing. Yeah. I mean, it was awesome. I learned, you know, learned Darn how to me. really do it on that, and now I'm like, stick it in the hole, yeah. you know, put the, put the glue mm -hmm. on and be done with it. So. Well, one thing I do, like, too, I think would be good i mean and they're not that expensive i bought i think i paid like just maybe 80 bucks for mine but a arrow cutter mm -hmm. and like the only reason mm -hmm. i say for me i tend to go through a lot of arrows because i like to do dumb shots which <laughs> are long shots or whatever and so i lose my arrows a lot sure and so i just invested in one of those so you know and 80 bucks is worth it because i'm that cheap guy in camp who's always trying to like get the good stuff but for cheap you know like ebay yeah. the bad 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 stuff and i tried to find like a two and a half inch miter saw because that's basically what a narrow cutter know. is right but there's a little bit different i don't know what it is but that that little two inch miter saw that i got it wouldn't cut it completely flush because you couldn't rotate it as cutting it it was like yeah. a tiny little miter saw sure. and that I don't know. It, it, you couldn't get your uh, you couldn't get your inserts perfectly um, in line, so it made it, uh, it, crooked. it look crooked, yeah. and my shots weren't the best. So eighty bucks for that, totally worth it. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we've got the Fletcher. Um, what else do you guys think is like good archery home gear stuff? Uh, <coughs> actually, what I have down in mind, I have like those hooks that you can just hang your bows up on. Uh, I mean, gun cabinet, of course, too, whatever your guns you have, but those are must-haves for, you know, your hunting room or whatever. Um, what else? I don't know. I, I really like, I really like, they make, um, they make some <coughs> Allen keys, but they have like a rotating, uh, not rotating, but like a ball head Allen key. Mm -hmm. Those are my favorite versus the, it's a T-handle ball uh, Allen key versus oh, like yeah, yeah. the smaller, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I had at my old job that when I was working on bows there. We we just had a whole set it there though of mm -hmm. those, you know, from big to small. But no, that's actually I mean all your uh, archery tools that you need. I mean, the, that that set right there is a money set. I think it's 
I mean, that's boning. You can get those sets from them too. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that's, I, I really like that. Of course, um, I've got a little bit of like serving in my house. I'm trying to think of what else. I keep a little bit of D-loop material on hand at all times. Like when I'm in the back country, I like to keep oh, yeah. one D-loop with me just in case something yeah. goes snafu. Yeah. Um, roll of that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's good to know. I'm trying to think, what else do we got? I mean, that kind of, to me... I mean, it's more I mean, preference stuff. Yeah. Right? I mean, I mean if, you're going, if you're going gun... You probably want some sort of a bench to yeah. to be able to set your scopes and stuff on. And, yeah. and real basic, yeah, yeah. hops. I was going to say, too, even if, I mean, a lot of the bows nowadays, if it's a newer bow, a lot of stuff don't need a bow press anymore unless you're changing your string. I mean, you could do a lot of adjustments without even having a bow press. So, mm-hmm. I mean, totally. you can get away with, I mean, I know you want to do everything to your bow, but, um, I mean, if it's every two years of changing your string or whatever it is, I mean... Is that going to pay for your bell press just for every two years? Or, I mean, because you could do almost all the adjustments now without a bell press. Yeah, right. With well, all the bells. I mean, so some of the tuning. I mean, tuning, tuning. I mean, tuning yeah. a lot comes from your rest, comes from... Uh, yeah, but if you, you know, twist your strings, you're... you're that, you're and that's rest. true. That's yeah. true, but... Um, but, I mean, there's a, there's a few things. That, I mean, a lot of the new bows now are... You can self-adjust, mm-hmm. which, which is, is which is awesome. critical and also great for the field too. So. No, a hundred percent, man. Um, you guys got anything else? I think that pretty much that's kind of that's what right. I got. Just find a stuff. good adhesive or glue for your fletching and uh, oh, yeah. your knocks and stuff. Yeah, or, that's, you mm-hmm. know what I mean. Not knocks, but your field points and stuff or your inserts because I've gone. Do you guys, you glue your field points in? Not, not my field points. I just meant the inserts. Oh, oh, gotcha, the gotcha. inserts. But yeah. one thing I do to my field points and my broadheads little trick i have is if you get your bowstring wax and put it into the threads and then and then uh attach it to your arrow it stops it from you know usually you shoot three or four arrows and then you'll hear it kind of ting 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 and around um a little bit of a little bit of wax will always help that out too um so he also had some questions about like best sites um and stabilizers as well so for me personally i'm a spot hog lover absolutely love them they're heavier than a lot of sites that i've ran before but they're all metal so destruct indestructible what are you guys running uh honestly i i've ran so many different sites i've you know i fell in love though with actually a cheaper site um i've ran spot hog i love spot hog too Mm -hmm. um but Actually, I found I found a Trophy Ridge vertical, not a horizontal. It's a five pin vertical site. Okay. And is it slider or is it? No, it's not slider. Uh, they actually do make a slider now, which I would like to go to that. We'll have to we'll have um, to talk about but, uh, versus sliding too. Yeah, and the, and honestly, like it's a, I mean five pin. I'm not gonna in a hunting situation. Don't shoot past sixty, ever. Sure. So that's perfect for me. But the vertical, I don't know. I love the vertical just because. If you're pulled back and you're in something thick, and say he comes in from the right, uh, I can without the pens being the, I don't have pens hanging out there, you know. Uh, I it's straight up vertical, so you can see. <laughs> I feel like it opens up, you, you know, line of sight more. I know you're not looking through your peep right then until you're aiming, but still being able to pull back and being able to see everything on your right side instead of pens being there, that was like critical too. Yeah, that's and cool. uh, you're never. The thing got a level on it too. So oh, it's yeah. a level oh, yeah. and five. Well, le- level is just like a normal one, but then you mm-hmm. got your vertical five sides, and I rarely miss left or right when I'm sighting it in. Like you don't, you put your pens dead middle of your target and you pick your range and you're good. Yeah. And it, I don't know. I love that thing. Yeah. yeah. I'm. What are you running? <clears throat> I'm running right now. I have an option six, uh, which is like the 
multi-pin, but it has the slider. But what it does is it folds like five pins out, and then your sixth pin rolls up and down your. Oh, uh, is that IQ? Or who no, it's option, Uh-oh. option archery. But yeah, they make the equalizer. Yeah, the equalizer. I, I freaking love that thing. I you want to talk yet. about stabilizers? I'm gonna jump. Just give me. I'm gonna jump to that thing because it is freaking amazing, dude. Um, it is a stabilizer, quite long. I want to say it's like at least 20 inches long, maybe longer than that. That's also a part of your quiver. Yep. Anyways, sorry, no. man. Option, no, no, no. They, you're they're good. awesome dudes too. I love the owners of Option. Yeah. Shout out to those. And they're it's Super a pretty good site. I have. I mean, I haven't found too much I don't like about it. But like, I like my thing is I had a spa hog before, which I love spa hog too. But I had the single pin or the double pin, you know, which movable slide. Yeah, but I like it. But the thing is, just in a hunting situation, like I just want those other pins because, yeah. like you know, like I can't adjust or like even just kind of like guessing or like you know, like I get you can kind of guess. But um, so I didn't think it was meant for me. Like, but uh, the I thought those were good. But I really like Alan's five pin too. I want to try out. So how does that six pin? Do you in a hunting situation are you just keeping the six pins pretty much fixed and then like oh, yeah. during shoots you're just using oh, yeah. that the six? Shoots is kind of like where I, like I like it. Cause like you know what like, is that like sixty and beyond is your sixty? Yeah, I think like with yeah. the arrows I was shooting, it was only let me go up to like seventy uh, five or something like that. And I think if I had like a lighter arrow, because I was shooting the FMJs, I probably I could definitely get up to hundred. Like you have the sight tape, so you sure. can. No, that's a pretty awesome. <clears throat> yeah. That's kind of a best of both worlds. What I've been thinking about doing lately is, I've got the fixed pin five. Um, I think that's like the. Sp- bought it i can't remember the model number of it but the one with the slider that is the spot hog and what i've been thinking about doing i'm still kind of on the fence about it because i use my my shoots or the 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 archer shoots is kind of like practice like you guys do but what i've been thinking about is you is keeping that slider on there putting a like a, a two pin adjustable and then the hunting season sliding that bad boy off and putting my five pin fixed in mm-hmm. But I don't know if if that's going to be good practice. If there's going to be a switch, you know, there's a lot of guys who use like a um, like a competitive archery setup, yeah. like a Bowtech fanatic or a specialist. Yeah. Um, like you know, my buddies the Jensens do, and then they switch to like the the Bowtech prodigies yeah. in the hunting season. They love that switch. They're they're rocking it. They kill mm-hmm. big bulls every year. So. For me though, I kind of like shooting my hunting setup throughout the whole year. That's what I like you know, to do. that's exactly what we do. Like everything we do with the, all these shoots and everything, it's all for our hunting season. I right. mean, really, Practice. really, that's that's all we're doing it for. So, I mean, I go shoot with my backpack on, my bino harness. I shoot with sometimes, <coughs> sometimes even with my camo on. I don't even know why, just because I feel cool on it. But hey, man, I I I got to do that, and I don't know. Even arrows, people are like, oh, I, I'm gonna shoot practice arrows you know cheaper arrows <coughs> not me i am I, full I, hunting full yep all I, time. you want to shoot your what you're gonna use so that's that's my impression. when i played sports we talked about it like in high school and stuff i had a football coach that said practice like you play mm-hmm. kind of the same thing oh, man yeah, i do absolutely. and a huge thing <coughs> and we talked a little bit about it last podcast and, we, and we're talking about it this time's like that first time hunter one thing I would recommend huge to the first-time archer, no, screw that. The, the first-time hunter is get your bino harness on. Get your gloves on that you're going to use. Get your puffy jacket on. Yeah. Put your backpack on and realize how it is to get that bullet full draw. Shoulder that shotgun. Shoulder that rifle because 
a lot of like puffy jackets are going to yeah. be so different or the way that your glove rotates your bow in your hand is going to make you shoot way different than how you've been shooting all summer long you know yeah that i was actually worried about my bino harness bino harness for the longest time i was like no i don't know if i want to buy one of the alaska guide creation ones because they're kind of a little bit bulky mm-hmm. so i was like i was worried about that and then i ended up getting the vortex glass back the smaller slimmer one and oh my gosh it like First time, I, it doesn't even come close. I could even went like bigger, Big probably, friend. but you know, just just like that right there, I wanted to make sure I shot with it all the time, just to make sure that you know, I'm never gonna have a problem. Totally, no. I mean, um, this the uh, last super shoot, uh, I have a Peak Design like camera capture clip that goes on the shoulder harness of my bow. And I was shooting with a bunch of my buddies and they were freaking out every time I'd get my bow to full draw because I didn't really notice it. I guess I wasn't checking. I'm really glad they were there because when my bow is at full draw and I, you know, I'm at shooting position, my string was like centimeters away from that camera. And if that would have like hit it, man, would that have gone wrong? So I had to completely switch up where I keep my camera. You know, it goes in the same thing of what we're talking about, just like practicing with the gear and stuff that you're going to use. Use yeah. the equipment you're going to use. Mm-hmm. And like one thing I hate is I'm always unprepared, but I hate being unprepared. Like every <laughs> time there's something, I'll forget something. But like, so when you say like shoot how you're going to hunt, that's I'm the same way, man. Like I'll go out there some days, you know, I shoot, try to shoot every day and like, oh, let's shoot with our gloves on. I always have my bind harness on because, of course, you want to see where you're hitting at those longer distance. Sure. But like, Throwing the backpack on is huge. Like, all archery shoot, or the super shoot, I wore my backpack the whole time and take it off. Because I just wanted that feeling. Because most likely, you know, you're not going to throw your backpack off unless you... Especially in a running gun style hunting like we do. So Yeah, you get that. You got to have that backpack on. Well, early, early August, I usually start playing a game with, like, my little hunting group that is basically um, we're full kit hunting gear. And I, uh, I we'll stand like 15 yards behind them and we'll start doing elk calls. They'll have to like pop out of trees, just kind of get real life scenario hunting practice. So we like, when we're shooting, you know, like, uh, we'll give ourselves time limits where it's like, um, you'll stand behind a tree. The guy will elk call. You have five seconds to stand up, get to full draw and make a shot. You know, it just makes it a little bit, it's really hard to practice that pressure. I don't know if you can replicate that type of pressure that you get during, uh, a bull coming in on you but having your buddy's call behind you or time limit or something it's good little practice to kind of make it uh, a better real life scenario yeah and one thing i've heard and like i even do and i i agree is like you know i mean no one wants to work out but get out do you know go on a, like a little light jog come back shoot your bow go on another like do laps because when you got that you know you're breathing that's kind of like it's supposed to simulate the situation like of course you're not like your adrenaline's pumping when you're, you know, that bull's coming in, but I've definitely noticed that. That's the big thing. Sure. With the, that's the big thing with these, like, hoodoo shoot, you know, the all the total archery challenge shoots, and, like, even the, our super shoot, it's all on mountains, you know? And so, like, we're hiking up to the targets, all that stuff, and we're not taking our time, like, catching our breath or whatever, you know, and shoot, I don't know, it, just those scenarios just like that, it, it makes a perfect preparation for... You know, going into hunting season. So no, hundred percent, man. Um, so those are the sites that we're running, Zach. I don't know. It's a that's a hard one. It's all personal preference. Mm-hmm. Um, go play. Go go try a bunch out. Honestly, like you're not gonna know what you like right away without like actually, you know, if you have buddies or if there's a local bow shop down there. I mean, literally hold it up like you're gonna shoot through it and just see 
See if you're gonna like it. Sure. Yeah. Some like uh, uh, things that I would always look for in a hunting situation. For me personally, I really like five pins or more. I know they sell a lot of three pins, but to me, that's just not enough options. I really like five pins, more options. I know guys are running 13s. I get too confused, and I can't be in a situation where I'm looking at an elk and counting pins. I just can't do it. But in my mind, I have so much muscle memory that I know what each pin is without even thinking. 13 is just a little bit too much for me. Yeah, and also, like, the size of your fiber optic. Sure. Honestly, I like smaller sizes because the smaller, you know, the smaller your sight is, like, the smaller grouping you can hit. Like, sure. you're going to be able to see more instead of a big old huge fiber optic on there. You, I mean, I've, I've learned that over the years just shooting, and I've dropped down fiber optic sizes, and it's, like, helped groupings out tremendously, so. Yeah, yeah. No, and one weird thing that I kind of did a couple years ago is you can get um, custom... Um, peep sites that have your uh, prescription in them. Like I wear contacts most of the time, kind of blind. And so you can get what's called a clarifier or a visualizer. And the difference between the two is it either is going to clear up your your, uh, pins or clear up the target, depending on what you want to do. Um, and my pins are always hazy. That's kind of how I learn, or my target is always hazy. I'm always looking at my pin. That's kind of how I learn to shoot like pistols and rifles. So I just kind of took that over with archery. So I just wanted to see, you know, super clear pin and have that hazy background. Um, but those, those, uh, custom, custom peep sites are pretty sweet and pretty cheap too. You know, they're, I think I bought, picked mine up for like 15 bucks. So, um, the only problem I have with them is they get a little bit of dust in them. And then if you're at a perfect spot where the, if you're looking into the sun, you'll almost lose your target, but yeah, good company. I would say too, like, especially if you're hunting dark timber, you know, like thicker stuff where it's going to be a little bit darker in, uh, black gold sites mm-hmm. are very good. Cause they're really, really bright. Um, get a smaller fiber optic, but you can actually see you know shadows and all that stuff like that that's, that's a good site to actually look into as well so mm-hmm. great great sites um so stabilizers i'm running a bee stinger stabilizer i believe it's 18 inches long um so it's kind of longer for hunting i haven't had a problem with it banging into brush and stuff like that as a matter of fact the way i carry my bow is kind of on my shoulders with my stabilizer off to my right so i'm never really banging it on stuff um, i like the longer stabilizers getting at full draw i don't have the heat, the longest brace height brace height so it's nice to have a little bit longer of a stabilizer but i'm running an 18 inch uh, bee stinger with all three plates on them because i liked a little bit front heavy yeah. what are you guys running same thing, bee stingers as well, but mine, I've bounced back between like 8 inch and 10 inch. I'm more of just a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, like, I've shot a lot without a stabilizer as well, mm-hmm. and I don't see the biggest difference, but I, I can tell I put a little bit more weight on the end of that thing, and I see a little bit better groupings, but I mean, honestly, uh, bee stinger has been the best so far that I've used, so. Yeah. I've tried a ton, too. Yeah, I, dude, I've tried, I mean... I started out with a limb saver. You know, I think everybody oh, yeah, like that exactly. six inch, you know. It's great, but just, it's quiet. I think that's it. But what are you running, man? Um, I did the B-Streamer. I like those. I'm running, I, I want to call it the Extends, but I don't think it is. It's what Corey Jacobs runs, but it's like. Oh, that little. Uh, yeah, extends out for your longer distance, uh-huh. which I really, I've loved it. Honestly, it's been like the perfect way. I've even, you know, pulled it out to see, because I guess for the longer yeah. shots, like I archery shoots, that's kind of like what I was thinking. Or, yeah. 
whatever. And uh, I've actually really, it's been one of my favorite stabilizers. No, I, I, w- I would love to try one of those things. Um, I, you know, I, I kind of agree with you, Alan. I don't think you'll see a huge difference um, of, of stabilizer up front. I think the big difference you'll notice if you use like a back bar, which in hunting setup, I don't know if it's really going to work that great, but if you look at competitive archers, they've got stabilizers hanging off of every freaking part of their yeah, bow. There, yeah, there's a different a different style that you run around. If you're going to just be hunting, if that's your main goal in the end of the day is to be do this for hunting. Um, honestly, like you can, you can just, sh- you can shoot without a stabilizer or you can just shoot with a 10 inch, eight inch, six inch, whatever right. you want. And I don't think it's going to make the biggest difference. It's going to make a real big difference target wise. If you're, you know, a little bit heavier and out further, then you're going to see some better results. Sure. But like, uh, for us, I mean, they're trying to, they're trying to hit a lot, lot smaller target than we are. I mean, we're trying to hit a real smart, tar- small target as well, but we don't have to be as like precise as they're trying to be. So Sure. Uh, it's it's all it's all up to you too that's a preference deal right i mean and what i noticed is that like having a back bar really only helps uh your acquisition of the target like trying to get level with the back bar you can just get le- level quicker that's yeah. about the, the the difference i don't know if it's worth the weight or <coughs> bumping around on brush for yeah, 31 I ne- days i never really used one so I'm, I, I can't really comment on that but. yeah but no i mean so uh, it sounds like, you know, bee stingers kind of traditional. There's a couple new ones out, like what you're running, that um, telescopic. I, I wish I knew the name, and I'm really sorry I don't. But I, I, I know what you're talking about, though. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, Corey Jacobs has ran it, too, so check that one out. Um, and then one thing that I've really liked, I haven't tested it out personally. Um, some people in my hunting partner, or my hunting partners have, is the Quivalizer from Art from option archery that thing's pretty cool as well um like i was saying earlier it's it's a stabilizer that you can put your uh your arrows onto like quiver um i think uh uh adam greentree has been running it for a while i think cam haynes ran it for a little bit as well um i know joe rogan does too now yeah so i mean i i'll probably be testing it it? yeah a hundred percent i've always was super curious and i almost bought one here last year before i bought that extends but i was just like I don't know if I like it, and like I, I didn't have anyone to like try it out, and so I wasn't gonna spend the money. But and if, yeah, if you got money to spend too, tight spot quivers are. I mean, oh, those are great too. So, I mean, if you wanna spend some money, then tight spots a good way to go. If you wanna save some money on it, I mean, there's a ton of options. It's that's a preference deal, man. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. I do like that option though, where you can. Uh, put it on the side like as a normal <laughs> no i mean and um like i said like how we carry bows kind of on our shoulder that quivalizer worked really well for okay. that too because you just kind of hanging your arm yeah. like way off to the right kind of like guys carry chainsaws you know so it worked out really well for us man um uh we're thinking about dipping some as well which cool. would be really cool get some some camo patterns on there yeah, as well um which on that note too i have to mention as well that um, if you guys are interested in some do-it-yourself dip kits, Hydro Dip is now offering smaller six-ounce cans for their dip kits um, at a more affordable rate too. So if you guys want to dip some some pistols or some rifles, um, Hydro Dip does have some yeah. some cheaper options as well. So that's yeah. pretty awesome. Maybe I'll send my pistol over you guys sometime. That'd be cool. Yeah, man. Um, we just got a new coyote fur. Ooh. And uh, I've been really thinking about putting it on my 6.5. So that's yeah. kind of what I've been using for my coyote gun a lot. Um, and, and uh, man, it looks good. It makes me want to get out there. We've done a bunch. I've done some Yeti cups in it and stuff like that. But, um, no, they've got some new, some new patterns coming in that I'm 
send you the pistol over, man. We'll we'll hook you up on some sweet stuff. I was trying to get uh, I was trying to get some permission to to dip my bow in Sitka. Okay. But they de- they declined me. I love you, Sitka. Uh, but oh, they, they said no. Dang. You do. So there's a bunch of uh, there's a bunch of camo out there. This is a good PSA to to have out as well. There's a bunch of camo that is basically a license. It's a licensed mm-hmm. program. So you have to be purchased into the licensure to be able to dip that product. So companies like Weatherby, <coughs> Prime, Bowtech, they have bought the licensure for certain camo companies to be able to decorate that camo on their substrate. Uh I wasn't able to get that permission, unfortunately. So, dang, dang it, we'll yeah. have to go something else. I don't know. There's a bunch of cool ones. Like I said, I might go. I might go coyote fur on my bow. Yeah, that's maybe not. It sounds like it. It sounded cool in my head, as I said. It, it didn't sound as great. <laughs> um, and then Zach to kind of round up some of Zach's questions. Um, he also was looking for some binos for bear season. That's doesn't break the bait under 500 pounds. Uh, Vortex is a very very good option. <laughs> uh, and you, I mean, depending on how much money you're trying to spend, they have all, every single option. You can go clear up to very, very good glass. And even their bottom end glass is actually really good, too. And their VIP warranty is top notch. So, I mean, honestly, I, I used to be a Leupold guy back in the day. I mean, mm-hmm. local, Oregon, all that stuff. And there's nothing, I have nothing against Leupold whatsoever. Just the fact that, like, um, when something would happen, and we all know that stuff happens to your optics, and regardless how nice you are to it, something's going to happen. Uh, I had a gun actually fall off of an old gun rack that I had, hit, a ground, hit the ground, didn't even get to use a scope in the field yet, and uh, broke it, and it bent it almost in half, the tube in half, it hit a concrete floor. Sent it into Vortex, and within a week and a half, I had that thing. I had a brand new one sitting right there on my front porch already. And I mean, I, I when I was with Leupold, I mean, I wouldn't get back for over over a month. So like, especially when you're in a hurry and something happens right before season, you know, having that back and it's critical sometimes. And you know, if it was me with a, um, you know, if you want like a middle priced um, Vortex optic go up to diamondback or the viper even mm-hmm. and you're sitting right in the middle you know of their price range yep. um i am actually running like a 15 by 50 uh viper hd and i love it i love it and you know we, we live in a place where like a lot of sagebrush and you got timber so it's a lot i mean you know it's long rolling hills i mean i love the option of having like 15 power you know sure. and the 50 millimeter at the end your objective is I mean, you can see everything. So right. that for me, that that's what I like to run, and it, it's not. It doesn't break the bank, you know. You, yeah. You're right in the middle of of their price range, so I don't know. That's my that's my opinion. What do you got, man? What do you think? Are I mean, you I, running Vortex too? No, uh, yeah, I've run the Vortex. I definitely love Vortex too. I mean, uh, I had a buddy, and it's weird to even say this. Uh, he had a uh, Cabela's mm-hmm. um, binoculars, and I looked through them, and I was like, I was really impressed with like how good they were i mean and they weren't they were like 250 bucks so i mean like whatever you can afford because i know when you're getting into archery stuff gets real expensive real quick yeah yeah and so i mean like you know if you you'd almost be better to like maybe pay a little bit more for your a little bit better optics and maybe like a little less on 
a quiver know. or a stabilizer. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, or arrows or whatever you want to do for a minute, but... And then, well, one, well once again, like, it also depends on where you're hunting. Because mm-hmm. if you're yeah. hunting, like, thick timber and stuff like that, you're not going to really need objects, you know? 8x42, yeah. 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 waterproof, so well, I mean, 100 bucks. Yeah. that, but yeah. it, it, it all is, like, where you're at, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're hunting, like, you know, Oregon Coast, Rosies and stuff, you're not... Probably not doing a whole lot of glass. You're probably, you're <laughs> right. probably not even packing a bino yeah. harness. Right. So. Right. No, I mean, um, I agree with you guys. I mean, I guess I would kind of side with, I'm, I'm a Vortex guy as well. I would go, what I did is uh, went a little bit cheaper at the optics. I went by, I got the 10 by 42 Diamondbacks and spent a little bit of money on a tripod. Because uh, I really like the 10 by 42s. Honestly, I think I might have went with the 15 by 50s if I were to do it again with the tripod. Yeah, because you almost don't even need a spotter. Now Absolutely. a spotter is awesome to have, yep. especially for bear season. But dude, oh I can't say enough how good tripods will make your glassing game, even with eight by forty twos. Now I, I think ten by forty twos are the most recommendable beginner hunting uh, uh, binocular. Yep. But if you're gonna do a bunch of glassing, don't have enough money for a spotter. Fifteen by fifty Viper HDs with a good tripod, pan head. Oh. oh yeah you can't get better than that yeah i literally just started using that setup uh two years ago and i mean with the tripod and everything just get a lightweight tripod you are i am amazed like when i set down that tripod and started glassing through it uh how much i've missed in the past you know like you stabilize that bino of yours or, or even a spotter just throwing on the spot scope you miss so much just throwing them up from your bino harness like i i I will tell you it makes a hundred percent total difference. Totally, yeah. man. I mean and 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 the same thing too, like I uh I went out and bought a slick tripod to begin with. I heard they're great for like digiscoping and stuff like that. It's kind of a chore to get them to uh fit to the Vortex Bino adapter. So I was like, you yeah, know, screw this. I'm just gonna buy a, a Vortex. I bought a the Summit SSP um tripod. 130 bucks super cheap i ended up uh used it a bunch for filming two duck seasons two duck seasons ago slippery is all get out trying to film and use that thing as a walking stick <coughs> bent two legs like put all my west my, my my weight on it bent two legs you know um but still in the middle of duck season still had stuff to do i had the same story sent it out like a week later they just sent me a brand new one so oh, yeah. There, you can find, I did a little bit of research. You can find some like Trigicons. You can find some, some like Redfields, some Nikon. I mean, you can find a bunch of, of notable brands for under 500 bucks. One thing that separates them to me is the warranty. That VIP warranty that Vortex, it's, it's, it's giant, man. I think that separates them to, from anybody else to me personally. Yeah. Guys will say, well, if the optic's good, you know, you don't need a warranty. Well, I totally disagree because no matter what stuff happens, like, uh, whether it's a scope, whether it's binos, it's going to maybe get kicked off a rock. Next thing you know, it's that his scratcher <laughs> scratches the glass on the end, you know, something's going to happen. Well, just, so I, I, the warranty is, is huge. China. So, yeah. I mean, it's easy. Like, I mean, I've seen, you know, Vortex with that warranty was huge for me too. But just like you know, if you I don't know if you guys have ever gone to on their page, I think they at least they used to do, like you'd send a picture in like kind of what happened to your vortex and like yeah. I've seen like just house fires, yeah, you know, and then like all you have is like a piece, two pieces of glass and like a bunch of burnt plastic, and they'll just they like they almost like love seeing that stuff like you send you send it into and they're just like yeah here you go here's another free yeah. one I no mean, like, questions asked whatsoever yeah. customer service is top notch and I'm not. I mean, I've been with Vortex for a long time, and, like, 
I love them. You know, like I that that's one company. Like I, you know, I I used to work in retail, so I used to have call have to call like a lot of companies, warranty services or customer service and all that. They don't even blink an eye. They're like, yeah, we'll, we will help you, you know? Right. So that's that's awesome. That's that's huge. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it kind of makes it pretty simple, man. I mean, I think we're all Vortex people here. Yeah. Makes it makes it really easy. Yeah. Um, as far as tripod goes, uh, I, I love my Vortex SSP, uh, Summit SSP. Um, you know, Slicks was great. They're a little heavy, and they're ridiculously expensive. If you get into digiscoping, it may be worth it. Uh, but I would maybe even look into some of the outdoorsman pan heads. They're a little bit lighter um, and a super awesome hunting brand where Slicks kind of more. They're, they're pro hunting for sure, but they're more photography, mm-hmm. yeah. whereas uh, uh, outdoorsman is straight up hunting, yeah. which mm-hmm. I like, you know, I like supporting those true hunting brands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. Well, yeah, it all goes back into it. You know what I mean? 100%. Um, so. The, and then we also had some uh, the question of the week. It's not really a question, but we kind of wanted to see what you guys wanted us to talk about. Of course, we're an hour and a half deep into this, but we um, one gal wanted us to talk about women in the hunting industry. And I think to me, I mean, we talked a little bit about um, getting people involved and how important it is to get ladies and kids and really anybody who can. And I, I don't care who you are. Let's let's get you out there in the sticks doing something. Um, but women in the hunting industry to me is huge. I mean, like I said before, it's the largest growing percentage of people who are joining the hunting industry. Um, and I love seeing it, dude. I absolutely love seeing Kimmy green tree, follow her air, all those people out there getting after it. Um, and I have some interesting stats if I can find them that I thought, uh, it's kind of random. But it's it's just some interesting stats that I thought people might want to hear about. So, of the hunters, there's 76% of men who hunt are rifle hunters, whereas 59% of women are rifle hunters. So, a large majority of men who are hunting are doing it with a rifle. Um, women kind of take over the shotgun industry, where 47% of women who are hunting are using a shotgun, where only 43% are. Um, and the one that really stands out to me, maybe because archery's just kind of in my blood more women archery hunt by the percentage than than men 28 percent of women who hunt archery hunt or 23 percent of men so it's kind of an interesting thing that the gals are the gals are uh archery hunting a little bit harder and heavier than the guys are by percentage it could be weather you know could be, could be a little bit of weather there and also more of a spiritual deal um i've done both so it's like I don't know. I, I rifle hunting was more of a like walk and beat brush, and you know it, you, you got to get down and dirty with it. But mm-hmm. archery, archery, got to do the same thing. But it's also more of a you know spiritual thing. You're not you're not pushed to five days around here. It's more of like a I don't know. You're becoming one with outdoors. You're going in their element instead of you know and and their habitat instead of you know pushing them out and you know rushing them you know right so you're you are stepping into their world instead of you know pushing them out of their world yeah i don't know it's more of i don't know it's more of a spiritual deal than... well you're getting 60 yards away from them instead of 260 yards yeah. you're, you're not a ridge away you're a tree away i yeah. think that's and you, huge and you're seeing the true reactions to like what's happening in the moment instead of them running for their life right so and i think that that sparks it with women too so. mm-hmm. that and i think 
maybe just the not having the kick of a rifle maybe also I'm not I'm not saying that they're weak or whatever but I'm just saying maybe that might have something but yeah well yeah, archery in general is awesome it's yeah, fun as heck I mean to just do. going out and shooting in the backyard that I mean I love it it's mm-hmm. just so much fun and right. I mean there might be some I don't know that's cool though that they're into it and they're getting more into it yeah I mean if we look at the numbers like uh in 2001 we couldn't find I couldn't find too much stuff past 2016 which kind of sucks but uh, in 2001 we had 1.8 million registered female hunters and by 2013 that number increased 85 percent to 3.3 million hunters um that are female i should say which i think is awesome man 3.3 million i mean um like i said i mean it's a big thing for me personally getting women in the doors because i'm trying to get my old lady out Mm -hmm. out in the sticks you know the more you can hunt more 100%. 100%. The more more of her friends that she has, she can go on her own adventures. That means I can have my own adventures. And, and of course, like I said before, usually when the women are hunting in the in the household, that means that kids are going to start hunting as well. So, Absolutely. You know, and, and it I, sh- I guess it really shouldn't surprise me that more women are getting into it. It's the fastest growing population. And archery is probably the funnest thing to do all year round. It can be a little bit monotonous looking at maps or working out Mm -hmm. or whatever but man i never had a bad day shooting my bow you know it's a hard that's a that's a that's a challenge you know yeah yeah i don't know i i i think you're exactly right though with women joining into the hunting industry um and showing that they can do it too and that you know i'm sure a lot of women were at home thinking like what is my man doing up there in the mountains well now we are taking we get to take them out there and show them what's really going on now sure. they understand it a lot better and next thing you know they want to teach the kids that you can go out and get your own you don't have to eat this processed food it's it's just better all around and right. i think the women yeah. thing is cool yeah i mean and as i mean and it makes sense because like we talked about in the hunting community the hunting population we've pushed hard and heavy for like organic mm-hmm. free-ranging meat Women love cooking that stuff. So it makes sense that there's that connection between the more we talk about organic meat, providing your family with it, the more that the women want to get into that. You know, that totally makes sense to me. A hundred percent. I mean, the interesting part about it, though, is from talking to some of the ladies around my life, um, like what got them involved. A lot of it was some uh, male role model in their life. Um, But there was a lot, lot more barriers of entry than a guy would have for a female and a lot of it was just knowledge kind of getting in that boys club like we've talked about is a little bit harder for females to get into that so i think the more um groups of girls that we have that go out there and then can teach themselves girls teaching other girls which i think is really really important because we i try to teach my old lady michaela everything i possibly can but it's a different message for me than it is one of her girlfriends you know, they, they're, they're, they're going to receive that information a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. So the more groups of gals that we have out there, even if it's kind of adjacent to our, mm-hmm. your guys' hunting group, my hunting group, if it's adjacent, sharing the same camp, fucking here we go, yeah. right? You know? like for sure. Dude, my, gran- my grandma hunts. My, yeah. she, she's hunted forever. And, like, I think the sense of accomplishment of fulfilling their tag and all that stuff is, like, a greater deal. They did something that women doesn't norm- don't normally do you know back in the day they, they were the ones that cook it you know the men went out and did this mm-hmm. for them to be able to say that they went out and did this too and they cooked it and they fed you you know it's a sense of accomplishment of like, oh yeah of as it should so be. yeah and i think it's great i, I love it I, I love seeing women out there and, and yeah yeah and i mean 
one thing I've noticed with like this day and age with everything with technology increasing like we definitely lack a lot of struggle and like I mean people have struggle but I mean like physical struggle so when you go out there and you're busting your ass you've been shooting you get out there and walk and you finally kill this thing like I mean I've seen you see grown men cry when they shoot animals because sure. they're so pumped and like so so emotional yeah, yeah so emotional I'm sure women feel the same thing and like the more women like feel that and realize it and see it it just sparks them up to get them ready to go 100% man yeah and it really like it, in this conversation I mean my opinion about women in the hunting industry is the same as it is with every person in the hunting industry I don't care who you are let's get you involved yeah, yeah. let's get you out there yeah. I mean cause I don't care if you're black white uh, brown male female whatever like you're gonna love this stuff you just gotta yeah. you just gotta come out and experience what we're experiencing it's that easy yeah you know when Nellie killed her uh, muzzle her cow uh, like when she shot it it was a, it was a quick harvest too I mean the cat she she ran 50 quickly. yards yeah and expired quickly and like she was from then like the minute she shot she was just worried she didn't want the animal to suffer and like mm-hmm. it, it, she started crying because she was scared that you know it was suffering and it it died quickly and I think that right there just the emotional connection to what she's doing like I don't know. Even opens my eyes even more. Like it made I got emotional about it, thinking like, you know what? Everyone needs to be like that, right there. Like totally. If you don't yeah. have that feeling, if you're just a savage, you shouldn't. You know. And that yeah. I think women are the greatest role model towards like the emotional connection to what you're doing. And uh, that right there, it it made me a better person no. just to watch her how much she cared about it so. I, I totally agree with you man we need to embrace that type of feeling it's so easy to down a big bull and like you get just, caught up in the social yeah, media being uh-huh. the top dog you know right versus you know those gals get emotional and that's it's what it should be if you don't have that feeling we should probably have a conversation because yeah. there's I still to this day every time I've ever killed any animal with my bow with a rifle anything I still have some sort of like moment you know I go yeah. through roller coasters oh, yeah. of like I'm so excited that I'm like man you know it's like the, it, it, it's this transition yeah, so that's like one thing with our group too like with the rest of our group we're all like very emotionally attached to what we're doing mm-hmm. so like most of us like just show every emotion on our skin you know like I I mean he last year for instance I mean we went through a time where like dude we were tired we we've been pushing so hard and like I was grumpy you know like we weren't getting into any elk the ne- that next day everyone was grumpy and this guy over here was just, Kevin's just sitting there like trying to make us laugh he's trying to turn it around you know and then like all that hard work you know we we go through all that he's lifting everybody and then you know we get down to business and kill that bull and like. Uh, the emotional just connection to like you know him getting us up for it and you know like all the hard work and all that stuff like I don't know man like we it's something else hunting the hunting is crazy what it will do to a person and just the emotional connection it does to each other like I don't know the whole restaurant crew that that's all we are we're just emotional about this whole stuff you know (laughs) it's awesome and I feel like you hear this a lot but I mean like when you put, like, so much effort, it's so, and, like, you're out there, and, you know, like, you were telling me, like, with the kid you took out there, and he's, like, crying, because it's, like, you do, you get tired, you're grumpy, oh. it's easy to let every little thing get in your head, mm-hmm. and you just start 
like dwelling on it or whatever. You start thinking. You start yeah. thinking, but like in all reality, you just got to be like, all right, this, yeah, it sucks. We're not seeing anything, but we're out in the woods with our friends. We're not at work. Right. We're not like doing things we don't want to do. We're out there just having a struggle finding finding the elk or getting close. But <laughs> at the time, it totally it, it sucks. So I mean, that's why oh, I like uh, uh, Zach Griffith's like bow hunting sucks shirt because yeah. I think about this eleven months out of the year, and then that September, there's a midway through it where I'm like, why did I think all year about this? This this sucks, man. I hate this. What am I doing to myself? Eleven months out of the year? God dang it! You know. Yeah. Well, it's just the pressure, you know. I mean, like. Yeah. You, you do like you're spending 11 months getting prepared right then you've got a month and then when you feel one day you don't like you don't have anything you don't see any elk that's a wasted day that you know and it's one less day you can take but in all reality it's like i'm just happy to be out there with these guys and, and I, yeah i think that's why women in this industry are like a huge thing because like they get emotional about that but there's also all the other stuff too you could be emotional about like how hard you know how hard the struggle is to uh you know the animal you don't want the animal to suffer like you know that that side of things and then like i mean you're hunting with a hunting partner that you have to lift up or you know sure and so there's all these elements part of this and then when it finally happens and all that like it all comes out and like that's where you find the real person you like you see the real inside of somebody and i don't know women help bring that out in this in this whole thing as well so for sure well and even like new hunters women or whoever um they kind of have a different appreciation for some things outside than we do you know they're looking at some of the flowers the frost like i forget about that sometimes man i'm out there too much and yeah and they're like man look at those mountains it's cool to like oh you know what those are some beautiful mountains. Yeah, I was yeah. so like focused on that elk track. I hadn't even appreciated this day of yeah. not working, being with my buddies. That whole, yeah. you know, that whole thing. Dude, I get like that. I one track mine. You know, yeah. it's, it's easy, easy, man. It's like fighter pilot syndrome. In September, I get so asphyxiated on my target that I just crash into it. Yep. When most of the time I don't crash into them because that would be a success. But yeah. you know, like I just end up crashing because I'm just so so fixed on elk 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 that's why you know this year i'm trying to kind of branch out i was similar to you Alan, where i started rifle hunting i haven't rifle hunted in like 10 years so this year i'm, I'm gonna apply for some rifle tags just to cool. give some september like a breather i can film now i can call more i can you know have more experiences where i'm not just so focused on that yeah. elk we'll see how it goes i don't know i still it's going to be hard to not be in the Elkwood September with my bow and yeah, my hands. still be there just shooting it with something else. hundred percent, man. And that's what we're going to see. Like, <coughs> we know, like you guys were talking about, um, last podcast about doing some, some entries into the full draw. I mean, I'm going to be doing the same thing. Um, and a lot of that experience, a lot of that is to try to just get the experience. What we're talking about. A lot of that pressure that I get has started in the past few years of just trying to get all this feeling i don't know how to explain but this feeling on camera like how do we show what we're talking about without talking about it and just showing this brotherhood and how much we care about these elk and that's my goal for full full job is like no voiceover just show these people how we're feeling Mm -hmm. and we'll we'll see yeah i want that's another thing yeah when you get out there with the camera like some people like will look at the camera and you know you get where you want to like 
don't mess up, you know, don't mess up mm-hmm. when you're talking. Like, just be yourself out there. And, like, that's one thing that's been tough also is that, like, you look at the camera and be like, oh, my gosh, everybody's watching. Well, you learn to not really care anymore. And you want everybody just to really see who you are. And, like, that's where we have become, like, we're starting to be like that, you know. We don't sure. care that the camera's there anymore. Because, honestly, I'm going to be out there hunting anyway. I Whether whoever's watching that camera right there anyway, like, I'm still going to do me from now on, you know. And, like, I don't not worried about the camera anymore. The camera really doesn't matter. And you, everybody else just needs to remember that, you know. Yeah. Right. Just just do you and go, go hunt. So. Well, just, and I think one thing, too, like, people these days, like, there's so much fake stuff. Like, well, you know, like, news or whatever, social media, there's, like, everyone thinks it's someone's always having a good day. But it's, like, when you see the real, the raw, you you tend to see more people glued to that because it's, like, this is real. This isn't, like, playing around. This isn't, like, oh, we did 20 takes or, right. you know, whatever it takes, you know yeah. what I mean? But it's, it's, like, oh, this is real. This is raw. This is the footage. This is how we are. This is who we are. And that's our And if you, you can like yeah. it or not. That's about how it goes, you know? Right. Well, I think in this this day and age, that's huge, man. I think we went through a reality TV mm-hmm. moment in our lives. I think we're over that now. I think that's why podcasts so are so big because they're so genuine. I think that's why vlogging, what you guys are doing, what I'm doing, is so genuine because you're going to see everything. I know with, with like some of the stuff that we've published, you're going to see misses. You're going to see bad shots. Yeah, you're you're going to see some of the worst elk calling I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Because guess what? Like, it's the first day of, of elk season. You're nervous. You might try to bugle, and it's going to sound out like a pterodactyl. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. but that's real. You know? Yeah. That's... I, we, I, yeah, we want to show everybody progression, too. Like, we're not, we are definitely not the best at everything, and we don't claim to be. And, like, from five years from now, I want people to be like, whoa, look how far they came, you know? Right. Just, I mean, skill-wise, too. Like, I mean, look at the Brotherhood still. Like, they're still stronger or... You know, strong or stronger together than they were before. You know, totally. And it's true. Stay true. Well, you're talking about being able to see that progression with like Kimmy and Adam Greentree. Oh yeah. And one thing, like the, what we're kind of doing the same deal is, you'll be able to see the first videos published to the last one. Hopefully, that's like, my goodness, y'all got better. Oh, yeah. You know, like. What Van Pat- one big mission of Van Patten is just bringing people on this journey of building an outdoor brand. Mm-hmm. Regardless if you guys come in and see what we're doing, like I'll be here every single day, every single night, just grinding to build this brand. Yep. But we're just kind of trying to bring you on. So hopefully in two years, five years, 10 years, 15 years, when we're the next Mossy Oak or whatever, mm-hmm. you can look back in this podcast and realize, holy cow, like Amazon was started from a bedroom. Yeah. And this is the yeah. greatest example of that. You know, like there's an old country western quote that's like everything that was everything that grew started out in the dirt. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like that's what this, you know, and I think that's what draws people to Rutstruck is the genuine starting out from square one yeah. and going to where you guys are now and where you guys are going to get to at 19, 20, 21, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, I think that genuineness is awesome, man. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah, I don't know. I I just, I think, uh, I don't know. I would turn on YouTube and I start watching shows and, like, you you see the ones that are trying really hard to, you know, to be that guy up there that is, you know, doesn't mess up, 
Mr. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, we don't care about that. We want you guys, we want people to like us for, like, who we are. Yeah. Because I can't, I don't want to be fake 99% of the time, you know, in front of public. Right. I'm not going to be that guy that I'm not. So, right. I don't know. I think that's just a small town mentality. For know? sure. Well, it goes Everyone into. Knows who you are anyway. Yeah. So. Well, and it goes into, like, the questions of the week that everybody submitted as well. Like, by no means do I want to sound like an expert or that, that, that I'm coming at this at an expert standpoint. This is just what I've used. You know, we talk about binos or tripods oh, yeah. or whatever, like butchering whatever we give tips on. Like, this is what I've used. Come talk to me next week. I might have a different opinion because yeah. this is like an evolution of I'm just trying to be the best elk hunter ever that has ever been around. Yeah. That's going to change. Like my thought of the best calling setup or the best best binoculars is going to change the next year they come out with new binoculars mm-hmm. or the next new bow. Like I'm a bow tech guy right now. It's an evolving it's always going to change evolving and you got to adapt yeah it's always going to change i mean and that's a weird part about um the kind of the new spot of hunting is it seems like the older tradition or the older guys were kind of into traditions and it was just like this is my raffle these are my spots i'll wait four years to get this this tag because this is my hunting spot i started archery hunting because i couldn't wait two three four years to get a rifle tag like i want to hunt every single year and that seems to be kind of a new trend in this community is like guys going to archery hunting to be able to hunt every single year guys going out of state to be able to hunt like we just want opportunities yeah, you know what i mean time. so on the topic of opportunities we talked a little bit about your guys's bear hunt but let's talk a little bit more about some bear seasons because I, I don't know about you guys but i'm jacked up we're like a couple weeks away yeah april 15th is the beginning of most of the uh oregon bear hunt there's a couple there's a new unit that started april 1st uh ukiah starkey unit is the new one that started april 1st good luck to you boys good luck um but we talked a little bit about some bear tactics i kind of want to get into some more stuff have you guys set trail cams have we seen any bears just yet what it's the uh we are recording this on March 23rd. A little bit of snow, but not, I mean, up high. Um, but we don't have snow in town, really. Yeah, we haven't set any choke cams or nothing, but we've been shed hunting like crazy, so we've been out. Have you seen any bears? Bear yes, tracks? One, 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 I've seen one bear. And actually, I've seen that bear on February 21st. Early! And that, yep. Early, it was down low country, too. Uh, I was actually shed hunting. And, uh, I mean, I was early shed hunting, too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I actually have my dogs with me, and a little cinnamon bear looks small as can be, you know, like, mm-hmm. literally look like it just came out, but, um, I, and I've seen, actually, bears in the past around that time before. I've seen them all the way, right at the end of February as well, so. Yeah. Um, our winters around here, though, like, a lot of those bears will only hibernate for, like, three months around here, normally. Right. Which is, like, true hibernation. Yeah. Really. I mean, they're, they're not... You know, I've seen bears clear to the very end of November and then to the beginning of December before. And, sure. you know, and, they, and they're trying to get as much food as they can before the snow really drops. So, right. Every we, we, Yeah, we, we've been out just shed hunting and stuff like that. And uh, we're, we haven't, I haven't seen much sign other than I that day. But, yeah, um, yeah, and we've seen some scat and stuff. But no, no, no trail camps or nothing. Usually what we do anyway is too big of country anyway to pattern them. So mm-hmm. really, we get out and start glassing the big country, and sure. that's really what we, that's our tactic. I mean, it's right. big enough country, you can move ridge to ridge to ridge, and you're still, you know, you're not going to see every, that everything in that unit. 
that steep and deep. Yeah. I love, I love so. parts of that unit. No, we have the same tag you guys do. We've been, I set up some trail cameras, I guess the last week, this week, went out and checked them. We've got some small little guys, really low, nothing that I would really like to chase, but it's cool to see them. You know, it's always yeah, exciting yeah. when you check trail cameras and see, we got a lot of moo cows. I've got about 1300 pictures of a moo cow who just loved the camera. Yeah. I mean, she's licking her, licking her lips and... <coughs> You know, and that's been a progression for me. Um, not too much with spring bear. I'm kind of with you guys. I don't really set up trail cameras in place of spring bear. I just keep, you know, I've got 27 cameras, so I keep about half of those out just all year round to burn and waste money on batteries um, and just to see what the heck these animals are doing. Um, but with that, I have learned a whole bunch about trail camera placement, setups, uh, and and kind of what to do what not to do i mean it sounds like you guys are kind of getting into the trail game or trail camera game this year uh i've ran trail cams since i don't even know when i got the first one i was i was even before 12 when i uh, it was about 12 years old when i got my first one but it was more for fun you know sticking out and see what i see mm-hmm. get on there but i've been doing trail cams for quite a while i just uh, i got some new ones this year i got some new brand i mean i haven't really ran too much stealth cams Mm-hmm. I've always like I mean back in the day I went the truth cam you know with yeah. cameras and all that stuff and yeah I moved over to the stealth cams and uh, I'm excited to use them dude I've been running last year I got hooked up like four or five of the I got two of the 4k and then two of the small the cheaper ones I can't remember the model number of them I love them man they're so easy to set up um, awesome awesome picture quality um, light is all get out. I mean, you're just packing batteries basically. Yeah. Um, battery life has been pretty decent. They're not the best. I actually have a Browning trail camera. I forget the, the model number of it, the higher class Browning one that it's probably the best battery life that I could find so far. For sure. I mean, on like a rechargeable battery, double A batteries, I'm getting th- almost three weeks out of them, which isn't, which is pretty good for, um, rechargeables. Yeah. You know, um, I always run on, on, um, uh, burst burst photo i don't really get too many video yeah it just burns too much battery for me enough for sure i just have a hard i have a hard time staying patient i'm not a patient person so like i'll go set a camera and like it'll be like a week and i'll be like oh should i go check it dude like that's how dude i personally am i kill you i've got two trail cameras set up from last year that i still haven't checked yet but i'm itching man i'm like i know there's too much snow to go up there right now but like I'm itching, I want to see. I know. I mean, we saw cougars when we set those things up, so I'm almost positive I want to see some cougars on camera. I don't have any cougar picture camera, yeah. so I'm super jacked about that. We've yeah. had a few. We've had a few cougar pics. We actually shot a bull on the last day of archery one year. Uh, we actually the first year that Jake and uh, or Slur and Trevor and I hunted together, we called in a bull for my uncle on the last day and actually. Uh, after we quartered him out and everything, stuck a trail cam on it. Got one of the biggest cats we've ever. It's close to a 200 pound cat. And no I, kidding. Literally, he looks so old at the tom too. And that was mm. that was the first cat we ever got. And it was so cool. Cats are cats are amazing. Amazing yeah. man. I'm still. I still don't have to. I, I still have never killed a cat. Um, I own. I own a wildlife control operating company, right? We're the 50, I, myself and my vice president, with 53rd and 54th wildlife control operator in the state of Oregon. We get, we get contracts out to do it. I have always drawn the longest of the straws. Out of us two, this guy always beats me at Rochambeau or whatever stupid little game that we pick. <coughs> I still have yet to kill a cat. 
and it is so high on my bucket list. Really it is high. so high up there. And, and, and there's a weird, I don't know what you call it, but there's like a weird mythology around cats that they don't taste good. And I don't know how that even started because every cat that I've ever eaten has been amazing, man. Like, I've heard that from a lot of people. Yeah, I, I think it's improper cooking. I mean, you cook anything. You, There's a lot of game like that. There's a lot of game where it's, you know, you, it's the way you prepare it. Totally. Uh, could start from like the minute you actually skin it, to great point. To the aging of it and all that stuff. It all it all goes from right then. Right. So. I mean, and, and it's most important. And I have to say this with a grin on my face, but I think it's most important how you cook it. Yeah. And with a big old tasty green mountain grill, boy, that's a way. You know, that's the best. Honestly, though, with like a wood pellet that you can maintain temperature on um, and, and still infuse a little bit of smoke, man, that is some of the tastiest meals I've ever had in my life. I've got a Green Mountain Grill, and I love it. Mm. Just did some elk sick like right before I came here. It's, it's perfect. <laughs> no, man. Um, they just came out with a new, uh, bigger version of the Jim Bowie. This thing is giant. It's like the size of the bed that you guys are sitting on right now. And I got a pretty big backyard that has a pretty big gap in it. And I'm thinking about maybe fitting one of them new Jim Bowies in that oh, bad yeah. boy. My father-in-law he actually has one of those. And we've had some tri-tip off that thing. Unbelievable. Amazing, yeah. right? Um, Plumps has got one. I don't think it's Green Mount Grill. It's like a knockoff version of it. But uh, we did a Papa Murphy's pizza in that bad oh, boy. Yeah. Holy cow, man. Yeah. We're talking about business there. Um, and you can also smoke cheese in it. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. Smoking cheese, I mean that is. So no, I mean, I mean, I've heard that same thing with like uh, with antelope as well. Antelope doesn't taste very good, but I've had I've had mixed. I've actually I've had antelope that wasn't prepared right, and I didn't like it at all. And then I've had antelope that was amazing. So I know it's that's all preparation. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Oh, I mean, I think with like antelope, um, usually you're killing them in August. It's going to be really hot. And yeah. so getting them into something cool is going to be super, super, super important. I think that's where most guys fail with antelope that specifically. Just what I was going to say. Yeah. No, I mean, I've been rocking um, some Yeti coolers. I think I'm sitting on a Yeti cooler right now. And uh, those work awesome to keep game, you know, whatever you can do. Like um, when we talk elk, I'm you guys said you can take some out uh full bodied i haven't had that opportunity too much so what one big thing i do for like meat care is i get it off the bone as fast as i possibly can you know we're gonna get we're gonna get the guts out of course uh because that's gonna lead to the quickest amount of spoiling but then that bone will retain so much heat as well to be able to debone it specifically like right next to the the uh the like the groin or whatever that the, the pelvis area um that hip that ball socket or whatever holds so much heat getting them off the bone keeping them in a geothermal location you know cold location throughout the day where it's shady all day it's not going to get warm after one or two o'clock i mean i think that's no, that's like sure. giant. Yeah, I I like to keep the bone in for elk at least. I like to keep a bone in because I like to age my meat. So mm -hmm. like a lot of times, I mean, especially archery season gets so hot that I mean, you try to get them in a cool area as fast as you can. And if, if you're away from town or whatever, you're gonna have to get them in the coolers and whatnot. So you, you know, with elk, I like to age it. So what I like to do is if you're anywhere close to town, keep the bone in for me. Mm -hmm. uh, it keeps the form of your cuts. If you're stuff. close and you can do it, yeah, uh, definitely. Better. And, and of course, like, I mean, if you're far out, 
uh, you're going to have to put it in coolers and whatnot and get it cooled down. But uh, for me, first option is trying to keep the bone in just so I can save, you know, your your lines of your cuts. And it's so much easier for that. And just hanging it, too, and aging it mm -hmm. is so much better doing it that way. Um, but, yeah, that that that's – and I do the gutless method anyway. When we quarter out and I'll do all that stuff, uh, keeping your, your meat clean is, like, the number one thing. Like, we, we will skin it and lay – you know the hide down and everything that we do we put it back onto the hide we don't set it on the ground or right. if you have you know uh, you don't ever want to put it in a black plastic sack but you could lay it on it if you needed to you know keep it sure. off the ground so that that is number one for us when we're well, yeah no i mean in my kill kit i keep like a little plastic uh i don't know like a just a little plastic sheet so when i'm uh, processing in the field, I can just chuck it on this plastic sheet. Yeah, Weighs nothing. Yeah, I mean, kind of easy. You know sure. what I mean? For sure. Um, what are you guys? Are you guys running special game bags, or are you guys just running like a, the Alaskan style? We I've tried so many different ones. We I had I got these microfiber ones that uh, it's, it's antibacterial ones. I got it from ATA uh, two years or, yeah two years ago, and uh, we used those and those are awesome. And I. Yeah, you know, I just rewash them and use those again. But we normally it's just Alaskan game bags. Yeah, you know we, I'll go buy a new pack every year. It seems like, but sure. I think think since this year we're starting to get into uh, backpack uh, country hunting. Uh, I think I'm gonna try like the black Orvis or something like that. That's what I have. One. Mm -hmm. Just because I've heard good things and they're lighter, they're compact. But yeah, other than that, yeah, like just like you said, the Alaskan just normal game bags, simple. Totally. No, I mean I think if you're if you're close down if you're day hunting, really not that big of a deal. Yeah. I think I think Alaskan game bags are awesome. Um, the problems I had with them was that it would let a little bit of dirt and maybe a little bit of bugs in if you were in that situation where your game was gonna be, yeah. yeah if you're gonna like kind of uh, leapfrog your meat back and it may take you a day to get your stuff all the way back to the pickup. I liked the synthetic game bags. I went with the uh, Black Ovis ones that you were talking about. I got the Caribou edition. Um, just so I could fit my elk in there with no issues whatsoever. It's a couple extra ounces. One thing I really liked, and I didn't think anything about it until I was using them, is they have a small reflective uh, border on the outside. So if you're like hiking in the middle of the night and you're leapfrogging your meat back, it's super awesome to see from hundreds of yards. Oh, like, yeah. oh yeah, there's my meat right yeah. there in that tree. Super nice. Um, that, I mean, my old lady doesn't really like me cleaning them out in the washer. But it's way cheaper than Alaskan game bags, you oh, know what sure. I mean? Um, the initial purchase, but you can find them on Camo Fire. I found mine on Camo Fire for pretty cheap, and it came with like a whole little kid, like gloves and yeah. man, anything else a guy yeah, would ever sure. want. But no, man, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of my I mean, you guys are I, I kind of do a lot more backcountry hunting, it sounds like, than you guys do. So, my game bag situation, like keeping meat preserved is way more important because we're not going to see a cooler for a couple days yeah, you know yeah. what i mean so my thing is geothermal location what i mean by that is finding a place like a swell of a creek bed that has some running water through it because um, that's going to keep it cold and then um, a place that's going to stay shady throughout the entire day you'll notice if you like glass big mule mule deer bucks they'll I always thought that they just stayed in the shade the whole time, but if you re if you really start spending time with them, you'll notice that they'll kind of move around one tree, and yeah. just always to be in the shade. In the shade yep. 
that's not where you want to hang your meat at all. You want that place that's going to be shady throughout the entire day. Sure. You know what I mean? Um, but that's it, man. You guys have anything else for the podcast? Mm, not that I can think of. Well, um, check check the Rutstruck boys out on their YouTube. Um, they're coming out with a couple new new episodes. Yep. One thing we hadn't touched about, um, you guys are coming out with episode five. Yeah, episode five of the Finding Gold series will be <laughs> will be coming out. Uh, I don't want. I'm not going to give a timeline just because it's pressure. Mm-hmm. You don't want to put pressure on yourself. But but it's coming out soon. Yes, it will be out within the week probably. Um, Yep, we'll be doing episode five, and we'll probably follow up with episode six pretty quickly. Um, you got uh, any teasers for me? What are we What are we expecting in episode five? I mean, obviously we're gonna be finding some some sheds. It was up to today the best day yet. Like, it was it was good. It's a good one. heavy words. Uh, heavy uh, words. Yeah, this is definitely the best day of the series so far. So, uh, yeah, make sure you guys uh, go check that out. We we appreciate. All the support we're getting. This yeah. is this has been just a blast. And, and thank uh, you, man, for having us on here. No, thank you, guys, and all that stuff. It's really awesome. Yeah, no, I appreciate I appreciate <laughs> having you guys on again. Like I said, go check out the Rutstruck Boys on their YouTube page. Of course, it is Rutstruck. Uh, be looking out for episode five and six here come soon. They're also on Instagram, with the same name, Rutstruck. And you can find me on our website, Van Patten Outdoors, where you can also find some of the Rutstruck gear. Yeah, um, we'll soon to be have some of their hats on as well we've got some of their t-shirts and their videos on the site right now we're going to get some more merch set up very shortly so be on the look to our website vanpattenoutdoors.com and we are also on instagram facebook snapchat youtube all of all of the social medias you can find us at vanpattenoutdoors snapchat somebody took it so i'm vanpatten media that's the only variance. Um, but thank you guys so much. Um, and thank, thank, you, thank, thank everybody who listened. Again, my name is Rich. Tight lines and happy trails.